Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for a special episode. And when I say special episode, it's a clip show. Everybody loves a clip show. We are here for the best of Off The Podium Part 3, celebrating some highlights from our episodes between 101 and 149. We've got some great interview snippets here. We've got some great highlights from our Tokyo 2020 coverage, some great highlights from our commentary during the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and everything else in between. If this is maybe your first time ever listening to Off the Podium, you're in for a treat. You're going to really hear what our show does and how we are. And if you're a long-term listener and you just want to go over some great memories from our last 50 episodes, then you're in for a treat here as well. I know you're going to enjoy it, whichever way you are listening to this show. Get yourself ready. Get yourself a cup of tea. Maybe just relax in bed on a rainy day as you're entertained for the next couple of hours by hearing highlights from episodes 141 through to 149 as we present to you the best of Off the Podium Part 3. I'm also seeing here that at uh, the Pan Ams in the semi, you also lost to Mr. Garrick Meinhardt. I, I, I'm kind of feeling there's a bit of a rivalry going on. I mean, they bought you a beer, but I mean, God, like, come on. Like, I, I want to see this yeah. come in a couple of weeks. Is, is he competing again, Garrick? Can you get some sweet revenge finally in a couple of weeks? He, he will be competing. He'll be there in the individual and team. Uh, I think, uh, I don't think he's in my bracket, at least for the beginning. So maybe uh, if we both get far, we will fence off. Uh, but yes, in 2019 at the Pan Am Games, he he beat me in the semis. Uh, but at, in the year before, in 2018 at the Pan Am Championships, I beat him in the semis. So ah, right. I got I got one on him uh, at that competition, but he got me back in 2019. Good. All right. Well, I, I tell you what, when we're keeping an eye out when we're doing our daily episodes during uh, Tokyo, Max, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for this guy. And I tell you one thing: if I see you guys, you know, meeting in in one of these rounds, like it's it's on. We're gonna we're gonna send all the bad luck charms to him. We can. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll voodoo like. <laughs> You tell me, like, yeah. you tell us what you want us to do and we will make sure that this Garrett guy, I don't like this Garrett guy, buy you a bit. No, no, come on. No. I'll dislike no. him for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to go that no, for way. Sure. Next, next time I fence him, if it's in Tokyo, if I end up fencing him, I would, I would really love to beat him just to get back at him for uh, for real. <laughs> did, did he buy you a beer after Lima or is that a, was that only an Olympic thing? He doesn't do it at the Pan Ams. Only Olympic thing. So I guess oh. if I beat him in Tokyo, I'm going to have to buy him a beer. Yeah, well, you know, see how you feel, though. Like, say that, that Australian yeah. podcast, I said, no, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't get a beer, basically, with that. <laughs> and I've just started um, getting more on TikTok. 
TikTok. So right. that's just, I think it's just Laura Hingston at TikTok. Um, <laughs> is, there, is there any fancy and, ones? Can divers pull off like really like, can you do like a mid dive, like costume change sort of thing like that to be able to do it? That? I mean, I, I, I don't know, like that would yeah. be a pretty cool TikTok. Maybe. Well, I, I need some ideas, so maybe I'll yeah. jot that one down. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> As welcome. I said, I'm pretty new. <laughs> I'm pretty new to TikTok. I've been viral a couple of times, which has um, been really unexpected, but um, unfortunately the videos I've been viral for haven't necessarily showed my uh, full talent. They've been the, the fails. <laughs> um, but, look, we're all, I'm there for the laugh and um if I can laugh at some of my bad dives, then I, I'm glad that other people can too. We promise we won't laugh. We'll, we'll just we'll just <laughs> laugh at the good ones. That doesn't make sense. But hey, we'll, we'll return that's a good thing. I have I have no idea what that means, but uh, that's what we do a lot on this show. How does Wrestling Australia promote the sport in Australia? How can we get more kids into into wrestling? Uh, I think. Um... Definitely looking at getting the skills would be a good option. Um, if, if we can get the skills and just kind of generate an interest through that, it would be um, it'd be good. Um, I think the other thing is just like making it more widely available. Um, as I say, we've we've within like Melbourne and Sydney, there's a lot of gyms that offer wrestling as part of like an MMA gym, but there's not a lot of like purely wrestling clubs anymore. So um, I think just getting at least like one or two like pure wrestling clubs um, started up again within like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, like all your kind of capital cities. And then really like looking for kids to get involved. Um, I think if you're kind of starting wrestling at the age of like 18, 19, it's a bit harder to kind of progress to a decent level internationally. You have to kind of have the foundation from like a young age. So me personally, I think like getting into schools would be like a really, really good way to try and, um, I suppose exposes wrestling to like a, a bigger bunch of kids. So you're saying me as a 34 year old, I've missed my chance. Um, you never know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to find that one sport that I can live my <laughs> Olympic dream one day. So you never know. <laughs> oh, you should definitely come have a crack <laughs> next time. <laughs> I just, not, I just not everyone has to be an Olympic champion. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Like I, I, I wouldn't care. Like as long as I just get the green and gold and opening ceremony, mate, I, I'll go out and you know. <laughs> 10 nothing in 30 seconds and I've achieved my goal. Like, you know, I don't have to have a medal. I mean, you know, who wants one of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you, you have a, a book that's going to be coming out as well. Uh, so we do have to talk yeah. about it. I have to ask you, before we even get into the book, uh, the full title is Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running and Fun. First, you got to tell me, what, what, where did the name The Black Cactus come from? You know, the name Black Cactus came from, you know, I'm a, I would never say I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm Arizona native. I grew up here. I've lived here since I was a little kid. Never moved to another state. Always Tucson, Arizona, Flagstaff. Went to school here just all my life. Lived in Arizona and and one day, just my neighbor just wanted me to come up with a nickname. He said, how about Black Sword? And I said, no, not Black Sword. How about the Black Cactus? And he said, oh, Black Cactus sounds good. And that's where the name came out, you know, just being, and I leave a lot of cactus around my house. So, but also like, and I remember they shot, and I remember Shaq came to the Phoenix Suns. So he called himself Big Cactus. Is this something that like the other athletes on the team know uh, you're known by and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends who, a lot of my, 
my teammates and the people who run against me, they know me. So I even have a t-shirt line. So it's Oh, good. that's amazing. I'm, I'm going to look up your t-shirts now. <laughs> what, what compelled you to write this book? You know, just to be honest, like uh, at the end of the day, you know, the five-time Olympian did help a lot, actually, to be honest. And I'm not going to lie and say, hey, this, this, you know, that's a part of it. You know, just at the end of the day, to make a five-time, to be a five, I almost become a six-time Olympian. I also mm. missed the 2016 yeah. due to injury. It's not like I make it. Well, I, I've been to the trials five times and I made all five times. You know, just and at the end of the day, I want to share my experience in the Olympics, my life journey to the U.S., you know, and also like uh, some some young guys, something that they can learn from my, you know, my long career, my long career I have been running. At the end of the day, running is just, it, it's what you put into it, you get out of it. So it's not like, it just, you have to listen to your body. I just like, there's so many good things that little kid or just even life lessons in general, just setting goals, all everything. <laughs> tell you the conversation 95% of the time um, and, and very rarely you'll get someone will come up with something different but this is how it goes um, I was an athlete oh cool did you make the Olympics and, and that is the question every time so so it's so nice people answer that well um, it really it really is and I'll say yes and then and at every time the the next question is and, and can you can you guess what it would be did you win a medal hey, that's it we're playing that game on, on the TV and the, and the most common responses. That's it. Did you win a medal? A hundred percent of the time, every time. And I say no. Uh, and sometimes if I'm, I'm in the mood, I say no, but I've got one from World Champs and there's just, there's radio silence. It's static. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Now on 20% of the time and, and so 80% that'll be the end. Um, and I'm there going, man, I could tell you so much about this. And, 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 you know, we could be that inspirer that, that, that can make you, but they just, they don't go further. That's it. But if they do, there's one other question when they know I'm in athletics and, and you might get this. What, what do you think the question is knowing that I'm in athletics that I might potentially get an ass next? Do you know a same bolt? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Sorry, I'm just looking Everybody. at my... Tristan, I'll be honest. I'm looking at my question list here. You just got rid of three of my bloody questions, mate. Jesus. Well, I'm the first of the other one. I'm the first of the other one. That's it. That's literally... And I'm, in my head, I'm like, I can, I've can. i had massive conversations with Alison Felix or, or people that are just so amazing, but no one cares. They only so care... Say. <laughs> they only care about you, St. Paul, and, and did I win a medal? That's it. And so it's, it's, a, strange, it's a strange reality where... You know, being an Olympian is so cool and it's, it does mean so much. But, but it's amazing how little it really means to people because they only want to know these things. They, uh, um, and, if, and if potentially um, a miracle happens and they go beyond it, the next question, I'd be amazed if you get this. But, but again, um, knowing what people know and care about athletics, there's potentially one other question. Gosh, now you're stumping You've already me. done amazing. This would, be, this would be like top journalism if you get this yeah um no i can't even remotely think of something that possibly would come as a fourth question yeah what is your 100 meter time uh i was gonna say i was gonna ask like are you 100 meter like i was, I was going on the lines of maybe like oh do you, do you run the 100 but the 100 okay right that, that makes yeah. sense and, and again i get it because they if, if they do get to that point and they only get to that point if they are very interested they're trying to relate it to something they know 
So yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, you know, it's not their fault. It's, it's, as I said, it's society's created a world where, where, you know, there's more lights and colors and fanfare and money into other sports. So I don't mind when that gets asked. Um, because it's it's better than just asking did I meet you same ball so yeah <laughs> well uh, did did you Tristan uh, <laughs> I had to come on I've got to do my job <laughs> I, 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 I shouldn't have set myself up for it um, I hate this because I had so many opportunities to meet him um, being being good friends with John and having had him standing two or three meters away. Um, I, I could have just said hello for the sake of this question. If I'd known in hindsight. If I could take myself back to the past, I would just, um, and I almost might do this. I might go onto his social media. He won't respond. And I might just say, as a former athlete, I get asked this all the time, have I met you? Can you just say hello so I can say yes? Because um, I, I was at the stage where I'm just like, I could say hello. I could I could say, hi, you saying, but I know your PB and I know you this and blah, blah, blah. I was there for his world records. I've seen I've seen him um, break two world records in the hundred. I've seen his um, record for the two hundred. I've saw the record for the four by four, four by one. Sorry. So I've seen them, but in terms of a conversation, I just didn't have an organic way of conversing with him. I I, I didn't have anything that wouldn't look like a fanboy. Um, so I guess in the, the the simple answer is no. I haven't met Usain Bolt. Um, I've met, as I said, many other athletes who are who are as good as him in other events, um, but but I never, I, I was a bit shy actually to be honest, and I didn't know what I would say, so I didn't. So of all things, I mean, we, we're all aware of the curse, and we have mentioned this to several of the guests on the show, but you went out of your way to say, I have a good feeling that you're the guy who's going to break this. Three and weeks ago, qualify. <laughs> three weeks ago, he gets injured and doesn't even have the opportunity to qualify. We could have had a back-to-back Ooh. gold. He almost get, I can say it with him. He would have been a lock for a back-to-back gold medal, but Benny here had to open Did- his big mouth again. Thank God the man didn't die because we know Ben's had that effect on people before. Wow. But we have lost Derek Druin. Not even a chance. He's not even going to be, he's going to be watching it home, you know, <laughs> with his leg bandaged up or whatever it is he injured, cursing the name Ben Waterworth for 16 days. Jared, would you like to do the interviews from now on? I, I, I might just stay at home. Um, I think you just need to get people on after they've already won. <laughs> well, we did. We started we did. off well. Catherine Skinner, Tom Burton, we were on a good start back in the Maybe day. That's when they're retired and tell them, do not come out of retirement after yeah. this interview. We need, to, well. we need to guarantee when we interview somebody, we're like, do you have any plans to go back to the Olympics after this? <laughs> I'm telling you now, some of our guests afterwards for our Winter Olympians, I'm sorry, Brianna Walker. You, 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 I mean, she's been on already, but, uh, God, we're, we're screwing these. Don't come on off the podium. It's that simple. <laughs> um, but, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, Kylie Mass, you know, could yeah. break the curse, could Aaron, play this Aaron clip again Brown. in a couple of weeks. Actually, you know what? Screw it. As an Australian, let's say this right now. Kylie Mass will win the gold medal in the 100-metre backstroke. <laughs> come on, Kaylee, Get the gold. <laughs> Bring it home. You don't even um, want Australia in that thing. You, it's <laughs> got to be Kylie at this point. Because if we can um, win it, let's do this. If Ky- Kylie Mass, you are the last hope. Kylie Mass, you are our only hope. <laughs> help us, Kylie Mass. You're help our last Kylie hope. Mass. <laughs> if Kylie Mass can win a medal, great. 
we've at least won an individual medal from guests on off the podium. If she wins a gold, the curse is completely shattered. Like we have destroyed this curse once and for all. Well, let's be honest. We, we could just be right now of all nine. They could all be medal. I mean, Evan Dunphy nearly won a medal. I mean, you know, what's his chances? I mean, you know, is he going to win one this time, Colin? Have you been paying attention to uh, it? I mean, race walking has been kind of a, you know, an on-off sport. I think it was almost off the table even at one point for Tokyo. Uh, but I mean, he's still in the, he's still in the mix there. You know, as long as nobody bumps him this time, that was kind of the big drama that made him famous. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's chances. Catherine Pendrell, who knows? I mean, again, she literally just had a baby. I think it's insane that she's even competing in this Olympics, but that just goes to show what a great athlete she is. Uh, they're, they're, we've we've interviewed some good people this time. Let's not screw this up. I'm just well, uh, uh, you, there's I, not much I pressure just, on us Aussies here, Jared. I mean, you know, Charlotte's a team sport, so can, we can't blame her like that sort of stuff. And uh, Tom O'Halloran, the, the, making the Olympics was a big deal for him. So we can't be blamed for the Aussies fucking up this time around, can we? That's true. Oh, you can. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I felt, though, about this kind of front row seat of uh, Anastasia and the gang basically just jumping up with this awkward silence before everyone else in the room was like, oh, yes, it's good job, and then ScoMo doing the thumbs up. I mean, we testing times, but what did you think of the reaction from our, our squad of uh, people that were very excited for this? Uh, I mean, it wasn't great, but I do have to say it was a lot better than when they panned to Brisbane to show the crowd's reaction in Brisbane. <laughs> And I was like, is this a uh, celebration about getting the Olympics or a funeral? Because it was a bit hard to tell with their reaction. Like, there was nothing. Zero yeah. reaction. Maybe, like, two people stood up and clapped. No, like, cheering. Maybe, I suppose, for them, because it felt like it was such a done deal, um, there wasn't that anticipation and excitement. But honestly, just get some paid actors in there and <laughs> amongst the crowd. Get a good band on stage. Fire them up somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah, so in comparison, the celebration by uh, Anastasia and ScoMo was was excellent. I, I wonder how awkward ScoMo is in his little office there. I mean, you know, they cross live to him. He does his speech. He's got the Yakuba sort of hat in the background. All the books looking very smart. But I just kind of love how they cut to him and he's jumping up there and he's kind of going, yeah, and he's giving the thumbs up to the camera. He's a passionate man, ScoMo. But uh, I wonder if he rehearsed that. I wonder if, you know, they basically go, okay, ScoMo, when you get the uh, official confirmation, you've got to be excited, okay? You're the Prime Minister of Australia. Like How, how many takes do you think he uh, stood in front of the mirror practicing that? I think at least at least 10 and probably some um, good advice from Jenny there on how to react properly to that. <laughs> oh, good to see Jenny always there. You got to think, when they've cancelled these games, rescheduled it, and now at the very last minute fired every single creative director they had because of stuff they said 25 <laughs> years ago, you know, there's going to be some gaps. Uh, so... I kind of applaud them for putting on what they did, probably expecting that at the very last minute this could have just been pulled and not wanting to waste billions upon billions of dollars. You're so Canadian. You are so <laughs> Canadian. You're basically saying nice things about this. Jared, come on, be Australian, mate. Come on. Tell, tell us what we really think of what we saw tonight. Oh, it dragged. It was so long, but there was no content to it. <laughs> I was like, I like, I'm like, how is this going so long and they've done nothing? It was... I like expectations were high. Um, even if expectations had been low, it would have failed. Um, just, it wasn't anything that you'd expect 
or like there was like hardly any traditional elements to it. Um, it kind of moved between, there wasn't enough like high tech elements to it either. Um, it looked like really bad high school production at certain points. Um, well, for the majority of it, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just, I, there was nothing to get excited about. And some of the stuff, I think some of the best stuff was some of the stupidest stuff that it was only good because it was laughable. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the high school side of it because that is definitely something I felt. And, I mean, it's a, it's a good point you make, Colin. Like, maybe a year ago this would have been different. Uh, but it just... Is it because they had to fire the creative director behind it? Like all of a sudden they just go, oh, scrap everything he did. Let's just quickly, uh, what was the backup plan? Boxes. Uh, um, boxes, more boxes. Um, pictograms yeah. are important. Let's take 20 minutes showing people do pictograms. That's exciting. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, a treadmill. A treadmill. There we go. That will be the star of this. Make a treadmill. <laughs> I mean, the creative director may have copywritten everything that was planned, and this is just, oh, we got four days, guys. What, what are we going to do? I've got a treadmill in my basement. Yes, bring it in. We'll work it. And uh, the one thing, I'll be a little less Canadian here. The one thing I'm going to say is you, they use the video game music, but unless I blinked and missed something, could they not have gotten, like, a cheap $40 Mario or Sonic costume? Like, that's something that everybody was expecting. Yeah, I mean, God, the Prime Minister wore it, like, five years ago. Like, Sonic, there's a movie since then. Like, where's Sonic? Like, Pikachu, like, something. Like, I mean, okay, they might be, oh, it's closing through and it's more fun. But, I mean, the tone of this was kind of a bit fun and silly when they did stuff. Like, as you said, Jared, like, nothing happened. Like, I've already seen the headlines now that Treadmill Guy is, or was it a girl? <laughs> treadmill Person. Girl. Girl is like it depends trending. on which country's commentator commentators are telling you. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I'm I'm wearing the Canadian stuff tonight, so I'm confusing genders. But um, <laughs> yeah, like treadmill girl is trending. Um, I mean, we wanted our Nikki Webster, Jared, treadmill girl, who apparently is a boxer who didn't qualify because her world ranking wasn't high enough. So basically they've gone, oh, well, that sucks. Would you like to be in the opening ceremony? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to, like, light the cauldron? Like, what do you want me to do? You can run on a treadmill. <laughs> okay. Sounds exciting. Uh, I mean, like, I just didn't get it. Okay, let's play. I'm just going to play this now. So, again, you two are going to probably pretend that you're going to listen to something. Let's see if this works for you right now. I just got this, Sarah. We're rooting for you. Woo! Go, Sarah, go! It's basically crowd noise and you record a message over it. It's a random person saying, yeah, go. Listen, oh, hang on. I'm cheering for you. You're going to be great. You're going to do it. Go for gold. Thanks, Steve G from Toronto. That was Steve <laughs> G from the, the Steve G from Toronto. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, give this a crack because I, unfortunately I, I need to work this up so that we can all be on the line together when I send this, but I think this mm -hmm. will only be me. So let's try that. I don't know if this will work given how my setup works, but uh, okay, let's try this. Yeah, go Canada and beach volleyball, <laughs> volleyball that beach. Woo! <laughs> Does that work? It says send cheer. All right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> We just need a little information, all right? Let's fuck it. Let's put my real name here. I'm not afraid to send that one. <laughs> Why not? I'm not ashamed. I like this. Can we do this every day? Just use me as a guinea pig. What's my phone? Well, I've still got a Canadian phone number. Let's put that on there. <laughs> I think it's dead now. I can, I can give that on there. What province? Well, I, I've still got roots in British Columbia. Why not? City, Victoria. I'm still there. I've still got an address. 
Still on a lease over there, so it still works. All right. Sweet. Do I acknowledge the terms and conditions? Sure. Uh, I represent warrant that I'm age of consent. Sure. Uh, do I want to receive Kraft Heinz emails? No, I don't. Jared, would you like to receive some? Or? <laughs> Only if they're sending out free product. Your cheer was sent. Okay. Here we go. They're going right. to hear this. Okay. Is it on there? Can you see it already? Uh, I, don't, I think they just put a couple of examples up. I don't know if everyone's going to be on there. They probably would screen it. Mm. Well, there's, there's <laughs> one here hope. from Megan's dad. Like, what does this happen here? Let's hear this one. <laughs> From uh, Megan, it's Daddy. I think this is random because I don't see it. <laughs> okay, you two couldn't hear that. It was literally Megan, it's Daddy. Go. <laughs> like that's all. Oh, I see said. it now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, everyone, do that at home. We'll do that every day now. I think. Thanks for that, Cross. It's um, not ideal conditions here at the Equestrian Center. Um, a little bit of rain, the uh, sand's a little bit soggy. Um, good for making sand castles, not so much for dressage, <laughs> but they continue. There's no stopping this event. Um, rain, hail or shine, it will go ahead. It's, it's, you're not wrong, Jared. It's a, it's a beautiful day to dressage, let's be honest. And uh, we, we are now seeing the French competitor here. And an unusual thing from the French competitors here, actually, uh, going towards something rather than running away. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Alexandre Ayash goes here. Any any uh, form here from Alexandre, Jared? Yeah, so they've started with the um, um, hot sand on the beach. Um, so just running across that softly, minimal contact. Uh, don't want to burn the feet. Uh, and just moving into more of a gallop here. It's almost like the side step. Wow. It's, it's, it's beautiful form here. I mean, I haven't seen a gallop like that since that last time I watched this sport. <laughs> About 10 seconds ago. I know. Uh, the rock competitor really rocked it out. But uh, what do I you just call have to this? say that the fans here are going nuts for this horse. Like, just listen to them scream. Crowd favorite. I, I actually uh, was looking up this horse before and uh, posted a selfie previously with Bathorse online. So the Bathorse is in the Olympic Village this time around. So uh, I heard they're, they're attending Coachella together next year. I believe so. Uh, Jared, what do you, what do you call this uh, exact move that uh, oh. Alexandre is making the horse do? So this is a reverse parallel park. <laughs> um, and now we're forward again um, and back to the um, hot sand on the beach the archery I remember watching the archery in Rio and we talked up they had the Kiwi commentator so we he's back I, I want to know who this guy is I'm going to call him Full Smooth um, love him um <laughs> So he was commentating, I think it was on the gold medal match, to which somebody scored 19 out of 20, to which he said, oh, 19 out of 20. Can't do much better than that. Yes, you can <laughs> by getting 20 out of 20. Now, I don't know if this guy went to school and did math, but 19 out of 20 is not the best you can do. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. Of course you it was a kiwi. Very New Zealand. Oh, brew, you can't do much better than 19 out of 20. That's like a <laughs> that's a gold for New Zealand. Uh, God damn it. Uh, 
Outside of that, Ahmed, I mean, Jared, uh, yeah, we're over it now as a straight around. I mean, you know, good on him. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was just such an impressive swim. And the fact, too, that, like, he was pretty much in the lead from, like, the get-go. It wasn't one of these people, like, I feel like the Australian thing is, like, typical of, like, the last, like, two laps to kind of um, put it on, like, a sprint and get up there. But he was just in amongst the medal positions from the very start. And the fact that he was able to hold on to the end was just super impressive. And you know what I'm saying right now, Colin, before you say what you're about to say, is that uh, I, I'm, I'm with you with Team Tunisia because, uh, again... I don't like saying it's course rough and irritating, but bugger it, they can swim. Like this is like Australia winning a medal of the Winter Olympics. We're just all desert, right? So cool. You know, this is we've got at least we've got beaches. Tunisia doesn't. I mean, I've seen you know, I've seen Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen burning. That, that, that actually wasn't the stormtroopers. That was just because it was that hot. They walked outside to like get some fresh air. They caught fire. It's an unknown secret of Star Wars. But the great thing now about Tunisia, because of course, uh, as you mentioned before, they got a silver yesterday in the Taekwondo. Gold and silver for Tunisia. It's in eighth on the medal tally right now. I know we're jumping ahead. We'll get to the medal tally. But that puts them a grand total of 24 spots above Great Britain. So stick it up, you British butts, Britain. You're getting beaten by Tunisia. And don't even get me started on New Zealand. Haven't won a medal yet. So um, everyone, I'm bored with Team Tunisia, right? That's all it takes to get you on the bandwagon. They're beating Great Britain, people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm fully on the team of Tunisia. Let's get Team Tunisia as our our, our greatest thing. I mean, how, what are we predicting now? Four gold, three silver, seven bronze. Let's let's call it. They'll beat Canada. I'm saying Tunisia will beat <laughs> Canada at these Olympics. I think they're just behind us in the standings right now, too. So that may not be unrealistic. They're ahead of you. They're ahead of you. They want to go. We're doing the gold count. If we're doing total count, oh, uh, okay. well, even total count, they'd be ahead of you, right? Because they've got the gold, you've got the two silvers. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think one of the other things that was so great about Ahmed was, you know, uh, uh, anytime you get the, the uh, reactions to a gold medal win, it's always great. And for some reason, swimmers just have the best reactions, I feel. This is one of the all time great reactions to somebody realizing they won. And yet it would be topped by, if you saw the footage of his coach? coach reacting. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Who basically did the MC hammer side to side dance yep. in the stands. I'm like, Oh man, if we did a coach of the day, this guy is my pick. And I have to say, I, I was a bit uh, mean on Twitter, I think, but it was kind of in good fun. I kind of tweeted out that good to see that Tunisia got the the memo that you dress up for the medal ceremony because he just rocked up in his boardies and a t-shirt. Like, I mean, maybe that's the official Tunisian outfit. I can't remember them at the opening ceremony. Uh, I don't remember much of it. I've already blocked it out. But, I mean, he just literally just looked like he was ready for another swim. <laughs> it was just, you know, there's there's a US in like their Ralph Lauren, you know, nice white tailor in Australia with their ASICs kind of playing. You know, and there's just Tunisia rocking up in a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, sweet. Give me my gold medal. The move is coming. Everybody's seen this before. That's it. That's the move. That's the move. That's wow. the move we've been waiting for. Iconic. That's, that's the kind of move that wins a gold medal as we're getting ready on the anchor leg. Oh, Kate Campbell into the pool. This is the one time Australia's hanging on to Kate, not pulling a Campbell. Look at this lead Australia has. They're in world record contention right now. Kate, she's stroking. She's swimming. Left over right. Right over left. The freeze really styling right now. The butterfly kick. Canada's making their move, though. I can see Canada moving up into second. An iconic game for Canada, potentially. But Kate Campbell is bringing this home. Penny Alexiak. She's moved up into third for the Canadians. Can she beat their 
tradition arrives in America, but stuff Canada, stuff America. Who gives a shit about North America right now because it's all about the Down Under America. Kate Campbell, an icon of Australia. She's never trained before. She's got to win the gold. Can she meet the world record? 1.73 metres a second. She is on fire into the final part of the swim. Stroke, stroke, stroke. Gold in a world record for Australia. Kate Campbell, get in there. any better for off the podium. It's gold for Australia, it's silver for Canada, and stick it up, you Yankee Doodle asses America on your bronze, because that's all you deserve. Well, he's out for revenge, that's for sure. And um, what better revenge to take than against the number two seed in the event? Indeed, and if you want to fence anyone, you want to fence an Italian because we know that the Italians are very good at fencing. They like to fence and put up the picket fences and the iron fences and the cast iron fences. Uh, and I also do believe, uh, too, that Alessio, whilst cheating with uh, Andre's wife, uh, watched plenty of Die Another Day to really get himself in the mood for this one. And I uh, got some tips from the esteemed Verity, Colin, who I know you're close personal friends with. You know what? Uh, we should keep it professional as commentary, but you can shut up and leave now, Ben Waterworth. I will disregard that comment, Colin, as we're about to get underway here. The uh, epic duel between Germany and Italy. And they're off, and they're fencing. And they're fencing. Oh, 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 oh they're fencing. Oh, big move there, big fence. That was a fence and a half. But I think the point has gone to Alessio there. I'm not sure about that one, Jared. I, 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 feel, that, uh, I feel that Andre got these tipping more. Yeah, looking forward to a slow-mo replay of that. Well... Looks like uh, we're, we're back into the fencing section, which is what they now, generally do much. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Alessio's mask is a tribute to Cobra Commander, is it not? I believe so, yes, it absolutely is. And oh, oh hang on, we've got some drama here. Hang on a minute. Oh. Andre's, Andre's pulled to something here in his leg. I don't know what's happening. He's down. Oh, drama here. Jared, what's fairly happening? fairly certain that the sniper from the stands has just targeted his left calf. Jared, is that what you saw? Yeah, the blow dart from the stand uh, into the calf. Uh, may also have uh, pulled a hammy. Oh, um, there's the moment there where the dart oh, hits no, him. No, definitely. The Achilles heel. Um, oh. You expect more of that from the Greek athlete, um, but the Germans as well have the Achilles heel. So, oh, you know what we haven't done? Athlete of the day. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Our number I've one. got a good one too. Colin's like looking at me with scowly eyes. Jared's <laughs> there sitting there on his one for hours going, God, Ben, shut up. Get to my favorite segment. All right, Colin, Mr. I've got one ready to go. Give me a good one. All right. I'm, I'm really hoping you guys can get on board with this because we, we have some big wins, obviously, some some medals, some gold medals, uh, some silver, some bronzes all around for our home countries. But I'm going to put out there good old China's gold medalist Lee Fabian in the weightlifting, uh, the 61 kilo, uh, kilogram category. Uh, so not only did he win with his winning lift, but he did it on one leg. Now, he has said afterwards that this was just a spur of the moment thing where it was just a correction. It was an awkward like correction of, you know, the weights transferring. So let me go up on one leg. But this has become such a big thing that he did it on one leg. When you look up this guy online, most of them say he won a gold medal in weightlifting standing on one leg. 
Uh, and it started as a mistake, but now he actually quoted saying, I know that this move appeases the audience, but I don't suggest someone to learn or make the same move. To me, the record is not the Olympic record. It is my own record. I just wanted to break my own record. I wanted to make sure my body could be in good condition for the next competition in China. This guy is so conditioned that him being cautious of his body means I'm going to stand on one leg while lifting 172 kilograms in a, uh, a clean jerk. This guy is my hero. Colin, I I mean, it sounds like a great guy, but i got to say, I think by the fact that he won gold about two days ago, uh, well, a day ago, kind of cancels the whole fact of athlete of the day. So I feel you're a oh, day late. Oh, this only made the news here in Canada today. Yeah, look, I, I want to be the technical guy on this podcast, but I feel like he gets disqualified for the fact that he won it. He should have won it yesterday. So, well, it was yesterday somewhere. It was today somewhere else. <laughs> no, it's bad like call. Sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our Well, lives. well, on that note, I'm going to change mine to uh, Mark Spitz. Uh, <laughs> he's my athlete of the day, <laughs> winning seven gold medals. That's no mean feat. Come on, <laughs> Jared, is yours Ian Thorpe? Oh, if only. Dawn Fraser. I'm putting up Jesse Owens then. <laughs> Edwin Flack. Um, no, sorry, Colin, doesn't count, but good try. Um, Jared, Canadians your are athlete? really behind on their coverage. This was like an overnight thing. And this just in. <laughs> you really are. And this just in. Oh, Calgary have won the 1988 Olympics. <laughs> I thought I had a winner here. <laughs> They're getting ready, or I'm going to hear a gun. There we go. All right. See, we got it right in there. All right, and they're off, and they're underwater, and it's a backwards swim, and they're still going backwards. Luckily, nobody's gone forwards yet. Everybody's still focused, and the water is still clear. No greenery in there. And uh, we don't know where Kylie Mass is because I wasn't paying attention to who was in what lane, but we're going to assume that Kylie or Kaylee or somebody with a K is actually in the lead right now. Uh, we know that a woman is going to win this race. That's all we know. And they're coming up to the wall, and Ben, take it. Wow, Mass is in the lead. The curse could be in the purse right now, but the three big ones are first, second, third, the three former world record holders. Kylie Mass is in the lead right now for Canada. Wow, off the podium is getting excited because the curse could be put in the purse. Kaylee McEwen's coming back though. She's backstroking. She's backstroking. She's starting to overcome Kylie. It's going to be gold for Australia or Canada here. Kaylee's in the lead. Kaylee's ahead of the world record. Can Kylie break it? No, it's going to be gold for Australia. Gold and a world record. Kaylee McEwen's done it. The first individual medal ever for an off-the-podium athlete after being on the show, but going for Australia, Instagram's Kaylee McEwen. What a swim, Colin Hilding. Tears in my eyes. <laughs> He's crying. He's crying just like his son. Oh, look We're at the start. We're not the problem, people. We're, <laughs> We're not, not the problem. Well, you jinxed it now, clearly. Just um, before I get to some of the Australian results, I just want to give an update on some of the live events here because just uh, following the social media here, Colin, um, your your weightlifter, Maud Sharon, after the first round, was leading in the final of the women's 64 kilo. So they're currently now into the clean and jerk, um, having done the snatch. So that sounds so inappropriate <laughs> saying that. It's just having done the snatch. Um, 
Yeah, just somebody very perverted like Ben Waterworth is the one who named these. But it's like, I'm going to go have a clean and jerk in the snatch. Like, can we commentate rest, uh, weightlifting just so I can talk more about the clean, the clean and, jerk? and jerk, the snatch, the rub and tug? <laughs> I mean, we were talking about the pokey poke. It was a clean. And, like, I just I, I feel somebody wrong invented weightlifting terms. I just I'm not sure about this, um, but she hasn't weight lifted yet <laughs> in a clean and jerk. <laughs> she hasn't jerked off yet, basically. She's clean still. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was leading after the snatch. <laughs> ben, stop it. <laughs> Somebody else talk about weight lifting. Drink breaks here and Yajit's coach is really angry. He's saying, you've let me down, child. You have let me down. If you lose this match, you will be going to live back on the streets. You suck. You suck. Hit that cock well. Hit it well. She's nodding in agreement, so she knows she sucks. She really does. She really does suck at the cock. She really needs to prove her skills better with the cock. Really, really pressuring her into And now it. they've moved on past degrading her, and he's asking what she wants to have with lunch. Do you want fries? Uh, do you want grape soda? Turkish Sprite, delight. Some baklava. Turkish delight. Chen's All not even things. thinking food. That is how you get in the game. Don't worry about the lunch. Well, this is how, how good Chen is. She doesn't even have a coach. She coaches herself. You taught her so well, she doesn't need a coach. Well, actually, she fired me for uh, showing up late, uh, sleeping in frequently, and also not understanding the rules of badminton. She caught on to that, and uh, I was gone very quickly. That okay. small child in the stadium is angry. Sorry, Jared. That just no, I was going to say, bringing out. your kids to the court may have had something to do with That's it. That's the big issue, yes. Is one of them is turning to the Incredible Hulk right now. Uh, that does disrupt the flow of the game. Now Chen goes to the smash. Yajit back. Chen. Yajit. Chen, Yajit, Chen, Yajit, Chen. Oh, that's going to go out. No, Yajit hits it. Chen, Yajit, hi. Oh, Chen, Yajit, Chen, Yajit, Chen, Yajit, Chen, Yajit, Chen. Oh, I can't handle this. This is the greatest round I've ever seen. Yajit, Oh, Oh, the coach is off. Look at him. Wow. This is like sport that's how and it's suck there, you jit. Jared Lee has really helped her. Um, <laughs> I can't even say your name. Who knew the pressure of going back to live on the streets would um, induce such a fantastic oh. performance? Sorry, Jared Lubeek, Jared Lee Book. I don't know what I was saying there. Um, you have earned that Turkish delight, you jit. <sighs> Just really? keep it up. confusing me about the rowing is they kept saying that they were hitting crabs and obviously this is a rowing <laughs> term which is like a crabbing when you miss time a stroke i legitimately thought there was like a problem in the tokyo lake i know <laughs> did you get you that too t- well i i was sort of tuning in and out of that one because there was no stakes canada wasn't in it and you had said we are both watching live and you had said right before it started it's like oh they're already saying australia's not going to meddle this i'm like all right I'm watching whatever's going on on TV and meanwhile I have that going on my laptop. Uh, and when you said that afterwards, because all of a sudden I'm like, how did Australia win this? Like they hit a crab. And I'm like, I got to watch the replay of this. And I saw nothing. 
<laughs> I'm legitimately me, looking. I was, <laughs> I was waiting because they, they even did show like a slow motion replay and they suddenly explained what the term meant. So I was waiting to see this little crab hanging onto the oar with its pincer <laughs> as they went through the water. <laughs> I'm thinking like Rio had green pools. Like now, all of a sudden, Tokyo's got a crab infestation in this like this <laughs> lake. I'm wanting to see just like thousands of crabs floating up. Like boom! Like extra gold medal if you survive the crab infestation of Tokyo 2020. The thing that I find funny though is because do you remember in Rio when it was kind of like the lake was like next to houses? So you just kind of had like Brazilians hanging out of their houses watching. Around. This is like next to a highway in the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> Like, you got everybody commuting to work. Imagine <laughs> that. You know, you're just driving to work for the day. What's that to the next to me? Oh, just the Olympics. <laughs> Do you know what, though? It was it was before the Olympics secondly started, because the, the, this was one of those events that had preliminary rounds going on for a few days beforehand. Uh, on one of the first days, you actually saw one guy fishing <laughs> in the water. And well, then the boats the problem, are going by. Crabs. He's looking, he's looking, he's like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know what it is? Which which is the NHL team where they throw octopus on the on the rink when they get a Oh the sharks. The sharks, right? Oh no, wait, so no, no is... it's not the sharks, it's uh, the the red wings, yeah. The red wings, okay. Um like this is a Japanese tradition. Like just like the octopus <laughs> in the red wings, it's let's throw crabs at the rowers. Like this is a traditional <laughs> Japanese greeting, like, welcome to Tokyo have some crabs um actually you should never say welcome to tokyo have some crabs uh, you probably need to go to a doctor after that but um after my badminton commentary i shouldn't really make any more sex jokes today well i actually uh had a bit of a chat with the mozambique crew of maria machaba and denise paruk and they said that uh they they really need some help when it comes to their sailing so they suggested that uh, we were able to help them out. So I'm just actually going to connect uh, something here to the speakers of the uh, the Tokyo Olympic speakers. And I'll just cue this up. There we go. Yes, parts of the Caribbean music is my next exciting. So there we go. Let's see if well, that works. We all I remember mean, the pumped. famous whirlpool sequence at the end of At World's End. That's basically what they're doing right now. This is the uh, this is the theatric part of the competition. So they're scored on artistic. They're scored on technical and they're scored on theatrics. And this is the theatrical portion of the program. Look at the Dutch, the Slovenians and the Chinese here going around to some uh, parts of the Caribbean. I mean, this this is why the kids get involved because they want to cue this up mm. and get involved in it. I mean, you could play so many other sounds. You could play I'm Sailing Away. That could work. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm digging the parts of the Caribbean stuff here. It's, oh, Switzerland just came in. Oh, what a move by oh, Switzerland. Wow. My goodness, Nice Colin. save there. Jeez. Almost Spain. ending catastrophe. Well, the fifth mark here. And I love the way that they're able to so quickly animate these boats. We talked about that in the badminton the other day, but this is live shots of animation. I mean, again, attracting the kids. Kids love cartoons, so let's cartoon on this. As Poland have about a 17-kilometer lead here over Israel, it seems. France sneaking up behind Israel, so obviously the advice that they gave you were helping. But, oh, we've got a little bit of trouble here for Poland. Looks like they're stopped. Oh, no, the Polish pole is broken. The fight between these two is breaking out again. Oh, she's got a leg caught in a rope. Oh, she has to move it around there. Oh, that's but a She's tapping out. I think she's tapping. No, not yet. It's getting close to a tap out is coming. Some other music you could add to some sports like golf. What could you add to golf to make that exciting? Is it Snoop Dogg, maybe? I think so. I mean, if he's if he's there as well, just get him to put on the live show. (laughs) Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. It's just like 
I mean, golf is very concentrated, right? But I mean, I, you know, a bit of snoop in the golf wouldn't be too bad. I think skateboarding. I mean, come on, like the, the, the obnoxious little shit kids out there doing it should be something like that. Surfing's obvious, but I mean, dressage. Can we just talk about the fact that when we commentated the dressage the other night, we did not mention the great uh, Munich Symphony Orchestra versions of Billie Jean and uh, All Night Long, I think it was, or whatever the other the, the other song was playing. But um, I, I did notice Channel 7 got a bit excited because one writer wrote out to Kylie Minogue which is always a positive. So, I mean, obviously keep an eye on the, on the dressage. I mean, what's your music of choice for dressage? It's a good question. Um, I mean, we've talked up You're the Voice on this show. <laughs> I think a horse trotting to a uh, You're the Voice, uh, nice and proud, couple of reverse parallel parks, um, oh. I think it could work perfectly. Yes. God, there's so many things. I think maybe for fencing, a bit of Mask of Zorro action going on there, a bit of Die Another Day, of course. You know, there's there's so much going on there in the uh, in the world of music. Maybe people listening can send us in their uh, ideas for music. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's been fun. And Colin, maybe you'll get an athlete of the day eventually. So keep trying, champ. Keep that chin up. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. You got the maybe Hungarian to- swimmer. What more do you want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. You brought oh, a yeah, smile. That was a victory. You brought a smile to it. So just, just remember. Can we, can we just hold on? Can we just put up Katinka now? No. Um, from. <laughs> Again, she was good in 2016, Colin. It's called Athlete of the Day, not Athlete of the Past. Athlete of Forever. Athlete of the Day. (laughs) The Day. Like, in Beijing, you cannot put up Eddie the Eagle, all right? You are not allowed to put up Wayne Gretzky, okay? Just, 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 no. Well, fine. Enjoy your battle tomorrow for host of the day when I'm not there. I would never win host of the day, even if I was the only one on it. We know that. I can't. None of our guests win medals when they're on the show with me. Like, seriously, I am the curse. Like, I'm telling you now, if, Bree, you're listening to us, don't go to Beijing. You're not winning the bobsleigh. I'm telling you now you're not. All right? Guest who I'm not going to spoil right now is going to appear on After Tokyo, who's a legitimate medal shot in Beijing. She's not going to win a medal either. All right? I am the problem. I admit it. I am the problem. Jared, next interview, you're doing them. <laughs> I don't want that pressure. <laughs> yeah, well, look how it works out otherwise. Um, just uh, future Olympians, say just no. Just interview when... Australian athletes and then it's fine. <laughs> hey, interviewing I'll... the rivals. <laughs> Americans. Let's get all these Americans on the show. Zoe, uh, Chloe Kim is our next guest on uh, Off the Podium. <laughs> set up on the blocks important to get a good start uh if you get a slow start you're pretty much out of it although that is the australian's uh way of racing to get a slow start and catch up here they go up on the blocks and they're off they're underwater doing the kicks and they've breached the surface and they're up and stroking uh, looks like the americans got a good start uh kaylee's looking great there in lane two and they're stroking Kaylee's a bit ahead of the rest of the field. This is good at this point in time. The Americans sitting about in second. Canadian in lane one doing great. Harley Mass looking good. And as they touch the wall, it is Kylie oh. Moss. Kylie Moss in the front. Oh. Uh, followed by Kaylee McEwen and then an American in third. 
and Bailey Mass has got a good lead here. She's up. She's, the stroke rate is good. She's ahead of the pack by about half a body length here. So first 100 looking good for the Canadians. Australia sitting in second. America in third. Emily Seabom, I don't know what she's trying to do here. Uh, but she's going to have to come back here with a fast second 100 if she wants a chance at the medal. Kylie Mass is splitting the field at this point in time as we hit the 100 metre mark. And off the wall, and Kylie Mass or Moss, depending on what kind of pronunciation you have, is still in the lead. And uh, Emily Seabom or Seabom is slightly behind. Um, Taylor Ruck is actually somewhere in there as well. She's a little bit distracted and falling behind as she's currently competing in the archery as well. Uh, we'll see if she has better results there. Kylie's still in the lead as we come up to the final 50 meters. Oh, this one's gonna be close. This one's gonna be close. The race is over. The race is over. Something happened. No, 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 it's still going. Ben, take it. Wow, the last 50, we've got bouncy, less bouncy and beautiful and smooth. Kylie Moss has a beautiful and smooth. She's got a half a body length over Kaylee McEwen here. Could this be a famous victory, not only for Canada, but for off the podium, but Kaylee's pouncing. Kaylee's getting the arms flowing. She's got the bouncy going. She might be in front right now. This could be history making for Australia. It could be back to back goal for Kaylee. She said fuck yeah the other day. And right now, you know what we're gonna say? You know what we're gonna say? You know what we're gonna say? Fuck yeah, goal for Australia. Silver for Kylie again, and Italy Seabomb. How did she get the bronze? I have no idea, but it is the off the podium Quinella once again. And Kaylee McEwen, you are a superstar. Jared Lubin, golden bronze for Australia. Oh, amazing. I mean, the gold was incredible, but Seabomb, how did she get that bronze? I'm going to come on all these episodes now. I've like up to the medal tally in these swimming commentary. Sorry, America, but uh, go home. No bacon wow. for the Americans today. results and everything else and we'll go over the Australian and Canadian results. I just want to pause quickly here with the final heat of the men's 100 right now. Johan Blake. I don't know if you quite saw the little uh, entertaining thing he just did there to the camera. That was fun. But uh, Rowan Browning, news.com today used prediction of a chance of Australia's medal in the 100 metres is in this heat. I don't think he's going to make it out of it. I'm just saying this right now. Um, I, I, I just don't have this confidence and they're away. I think this mullet that Rowan's got is uh, actually he's, he's leading right now. Rowan Blake, he's, he's le Browning. He's, he's going to win this heat. He's going to beat him. Holy crap, news.com today. You might have predicted something. Australia won the 100 metres. 10.01 and the mullet's giving him streamline. Doesn't he look happy? Jared Luby, get what on board. A run. <laughs> wow. Wow. I hope he gets to break the 10 in the semi. Because I so good. I think... Did, oh, the did, dirty mullet. Oh, my gosh. It's so it's, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously he was holding him back, but the opposite. One I wanted to quickly touch on before I go over some of the results today in terms of uh, the other ones. We joke and we make fun of New Zealand. I mean, they kind of suck, but... It's a pretty history-making day for New Zealand as well. I talked to Valerie Adams on the show yesterday in the women's shot put. She got a bronze today. So she's medaled in four consecutive Olympics. That's her fourth medal. She's the most successful uh, female athlete from New Zealand in the history of, of the country. I and mean, that is a big deal. As I said, she she's a big name in New Zealand. She is a very famous athlete there. And to, to do that in four consecutive ones, I, I, I completely – I thought it was on at night. I didn't realise it was in the morning. I wish I could watch it. But they're going off. I'm seeing the social media stuff of the people that I'm following in New Zealand. Our girl, Eliza, who sadly 
Emily isn't competing at the Olympics. She was uh, posting photos and everything along those lines. I mean, Jared, I, I don't know if you know much about uh, Valerie outside of what I've talked about on her last night, but I mean, this is a big deal for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Colin, do you, do you know much about Valerie Adams at all? No idea. I, I was well, going to ask you about something else, so let me know when you're when you're ready to move on. Oh, I'm ready to move on. I just, I just, I okay. just be nice so, to our cousins. But if we don't give a shit about them across the ditch, then fuck them. Uh, sorry, New Zealand. Took two seconds out of my time to, to give you some credit and both my hosts are just like, yeah, cool. If we were talking about New Zealand yesterday, if I was on the show yesterday, there may have been more things to say. But uh... If Andre what? comes through, you will be in 11th tonight so no pressure there colin um, i wanted to uh mention uh the i'm gonna call him the american swimmer of the games just because nobody's giving him credit but you mentioned bobby fink in the the mm. 1500 meter this is his second gold and uh he was the one that a couple days ago i said you know i would have you know at least offered for consideration for after the day just because it was probably the greatest comeback i've ever seen i don't even know if he was necessarily considered to be the favorite in the 1500 meter but uh, while well, everybody in America is talking about Caleb Dressel and Katie Ledecky, I mean, Bobby Fink is probably going to be your star in another four years. I think he needs to meet Roberta Funk so we can have Fink and Funk, right? Like yes. that, that, sounds, that sounds like a cop show. Fink and Funk. <laughs> They're two cops from the wrong side of the tracks coming together. <laughs> One's a canoeist. The other's a cycler, a swimmer, probably a cyclist too. He cycles <laughs> in the water. <laughs> what will they do? Fink and Funk. Dun, 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 this week on NBC. Um, I mean, I'd watch it. Jared, Fink and Funk, can we make it a thing? I think so. I think that sounds like a great show. Fink and Funk. Fink and... He brings a Funk, also brings a Fink, and then bring in Dong Dong and Jonas uh, Jonas. And Fink what... and Funk and Dong Dong Jonas Jonas. And what was the other, the swimmer? Were Jojo? Uh, Kiwa <laughs> were Jojo? Like, Cro- I mean, these Chromo just... were Jojo? Chromo were Jojo. Chromo were Jojo, Fink and Funk, Jonas Jonas and Dong Dong. And this Kaylee week. versus Kylie. And Kaylee versus Kylie, and that's Kylie Moss. Can I just say, I, I noticed the, the announcer in the stadium also called her Kylie Moss. <laughs> They're just giving up. There's a, like, there's an in, I'll say there's an in-between pronunciation again, depending on, it's either, depending on where you, which region you need. It could be either mass or it could be mass, you know? But uh, people go overboard with the mass and they're into moss. That's oh, so funny. This is going down. The butt is going up. The feet are planted. Will those glasses stay on? That's the real question. It's not who's the fastest man. It's will the glasses stay on the head. And there's some crotch bulges there. There's some nice hair from the Chinese. They're ready. They're still ready. And they are off, and it's a real start. And I don't know who's in the lead because Ben's speed is too small. Andre DeGrasse is coming from behind, and I think it's American lead. I don't know. Uh, Andre, is he still in this? And he's he's coming, he's coming. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> Something happened there. Something happened. <laughs> the Italian one. The Italian, I mean, the Italian one. An Italian. The fastest man alive is an Italian? <laughs> what? What just happened? What? What just happened? An Italian 100 meters. I don't, I see it, but I don't believe it. <laughs> wow. I don't think Italy have ever meddled in this event. And and I'm in shock. Of all people, <laughs> Jacobs 
good for you. Fastest man alive and 9.79. Not a bad time. Wow. Um, All right, Colin, athlete of the day. Come on, give us your failures. Failures, we're ready to shut you down. Uh, I'm telling you right now, nobody is shutting me down this. I have not been this adamant about anything since we started. It's a no this from me. Has to be, it has to be Penny <laughs> Alexiak. I don't care what anybody says about Australia, tying records, breaking records, or anything. Italian runner, that's a great moment. But we're talking about somebody who set, not only tied, broke, the all-time record for most medals won by a Canadian Olympian. And this is in a summer sport. We go back to Athens. Canada won 12 medals in all of Athens. We, Penny Alexiak has won seven medals in two games. Still more to come from here. This would be the equivalent if Stephen Bradbury were still racing and he all of a sudden won more medals than any summer athlete ever. There is no question that would be the athlete games. I don't care what country you're from. If this were America, Great Britain, France, whatever, somebody breaking the all-time record in the opposite Olympics from what that country should be good in, that's athlete of the day. Colin, Colin, you had me until you mentioned Bradbury because how dare you? He is (laughs) equal first in our winter athletes for most medals won. So you do not diss the Bradbury. no, no, I'm not dissing. I'm saying my no, you, point is... No, you diss the Bradbury. You diss imagine, the Bradbury. Then you're clearly not listening to me because I said... No, because you diss the Bradbury. <laughs> imagine if he broke Emma's record. Well, if then Stephen I Bradbury, want to a, imagine it because you don't diss the Bradbury. If athlete were to win more than summer athletes for Australia... That's unprecedented. Okay. Well, I see your little point, and I raise you the fact, has Penny Alexiak ever played Survivor? No. Stephen Bradbury <laughs> did and got voted out early. So well, I'm sorry, we're not Bradbury. doing the 2002 athlete of the day, Ben. We're doing 2021. Shut up and don't diss the Bradbury. Uh, <laughs> that was Jared. no diss. I was saying, imagine if. He's so salty. He's like Ben Waterworth over on the Oz Network. I'm, oh, I'm the salty one. You're the one. You do not bring up the name of Stephen Bradbury. <laughs> because you got two Australians to one here right now, my friend. So you be careful with your next word. Oh, I know. I can tell by the amount of Australians you get put up for athlete of the day. Well, uh, on that note, Jared. Um, well, I see that you're putting up athletes who win medals, and I raise you an athlete who didn't win a medal. Frenchman. What's his name? Oh, have you Mur- got the same guy? What's his name? Mur- this is a great argument <laughs> yes! to start. Murad Aliyev. Yes! Su- men's super heavyweight boxing got disqualified <laughs> for headbutting his opponent, then proceeded to sit ringside for half an hour in protest, <laughs> spoke to some officials, came back, sat ringside for another 15 minutes in protest. This is a man... <laughs> Protesting this loss for 45 minutes by sitting ringside. If that is not athlete of the day, I don't know who is. And I'm not joking. I'm not That's... word of a lie. I was meant to sit here and give two nominees, and I thought I was going to be the one to pull this out. I was going to go special note to Andrew Charter for our, our hockey goalie, and then I was going to go Bingham Sue, and then I was literally going to throw up uh, Mr. Italy right now, Michael Jacob. But I've got him as my nominee too, Jared. I have him. That's a great story. <laughs> Colin is so pissed off. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm telling you, I'm I'm not putting up Athlete the Day as somebody who protested. That's a great story. I would love to see it. But that is not Athlete the Day over the greatest Olympian of all time in the summer when we're a winter nation. I want to be honest with you. I legitimately was thinking Penny until I saw this story. Um, 
Like, oh, you're like, gonna keep thinking, Penny. <laughs> I like your 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 argument is solid. I get it, but then we should be putting up Emma McKeon because she's broken our record. Oh, because we've got to have an Australian every single day. You know, it's your fault you didn't reserve <laughs> so one of your sixteen <laughs> Australian athlete of the days. You you burned your chances already. We're not gonna we're not gonna finish these Olympics putting up no Americans for athlete of the day, no Russians, no Chinese, no Japanese, but about sixteen Australians. You know. I just, I just love this because it's like, it's he's so angry. I've never seen Colin this angry before. And I just also love the fact that come like six months time in Beijing, like, I mean, we're screwed when it comes to that, but he's not even thinking about that. Oh, no Australians. I also, I also want to mention these entire games. This is only the second Canadian I've actually put up. Ben has put up an Australian every single day. Yes. I'm proud of my country because we do well at the Summer Olympics. Um... Look, I, I, I'm sorry. I have to give it to the French boxer. This is hilarious. You are not doing this. You give it to the French boxer. I am out of here. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're finishing the show on your own. I will not be here tomorrow. I am not giving up. Penny. Penny is taking this. This is the greatest accomplishment in the history of Canadian Olympics. It will never be topped. <laughs> This is Look, a super heavyweight boxer throwing <laughs> children's tantrums. See Colin, the in ringside. He sat so in funny. this ring, and like I don't think anything was happening. Like everyone left. I <laughs> dare you to right now. Left. It was I dare you to, and then ever. watch me come back on for even one more day of these Olympics. They could have just left him overnight, and it wouldn't have changed anything. I'm telling you right now. I want to know where that is because I want to record it and see it myself. But that's not athlete of the day. Yeah, he is, because I'm giving it to him. <laughs> I miss it. Forget this. Not happening. This is not happening. I want you to see what I'm about to do, Ben Waterworth. I am pulling a Novak. No, this is not happening. No way is Penny not taking athlete of the day to a guy who said, watch me protest. This is a protest right here. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here just saying the name Penny Alexiak until we're done. Penny Alexiak's athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. How many more minutes do I have? That's one. 44 more to go. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Have I won you over yet, Ben? <laughs> you know what? You know what's beautiful? Is there's a little button on this thing called mute that I can press if it keeps doing that and just kick you from the room. <laughs> oh... I love Penny. I love, love yes, this Penny. Is not, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> I will call all of our listeners to call out Ben and Jared, who have put up an Australian athlete every single day, have successfully won twice <laughs> and, and wasted their opportunities, and now want to take away the greatest accomplishment in the history of Canadian Olympics. Wow. No winter athlete has ever done this. And you're going to take that away for a guy who protested ringside. Great story. I'm glad we have an honorable mention. Canada beat our curse, not athlete of the day. J Jared. Canada breaks the all-time record, not athlete of the day. This Jared. is athlete of the day. Jared. Yeah. Are, are, are you budging? Yeah, I can budge. Oh! Yes! Oh! And because of that, Jared, I will send you a free box of multi-grain Penny Alexiacs. Jared, I'm never playing Survivor with you. you <laughs> Give me your ben. ben, you don't get anything, okay? I only need one vote. Well, and he can I, first. You know what? 
guess who's in control of the social media? Guess who's in control oh, of putting the graphics up? I can tell you who's in control up. of the social media because San Marino was snubbed because an Australian athlete had to win Athlete of the Day again. And when the, the San Marino athlete eventually got it, our social media said, after narrowly missing out, narrowly missing out when Ben said, well, maybe we could put up the San Marino one, but nah, let's give it to Just Fox. You know what? Can, you know what? Can you please put Mirad sitting in the corner of the social media tile? <laughs> He's protesting. He's going to find out that he didn't get athlete of the day. He's going to sit on Zoom with us for the next hour tomorrow. I just want to point out that um, we obviously are doing this on Zoom and uh, we record this as a backup for only those reasons, but I'm totally keeping this video and I'm sending this out. I'm Colin throwing a chair. and I want you to keep this video. Holy crap. Um... I thought Off the Podium was one of our calmest podcasts we did. I mean, Jesus. I, I mean, Not in all anymore. fairness, when I wasn't happy with one of Colin's choices over on 007, I did show him porn. So, Well, um, I was going to say, I've sat through many Ben Waterworth protests for the dumbest reasons. <laughs> that, no, I have learnt from the master. <laughs> Oh, oh, shit, thunder again. Holy crap, sorry for the language there. I know this is golf, it's very professional. But the way he moves his hands, that's him going, I'm going to be the ball. Be the ball and putt it. And talk us through what's happening right now, Colin. All right, well, he's getting ready for his patented Nunavut Badger Beater swing here. Uh, And the hands are coming back. They're tightening up. They're tighter. They're tighter still. They're moving slowly, caressing a club, and it's off. Whoa. And it's moving towards Whoa. the hole. Whoa. And all oh, right around the hole. <sighs> it's always very I, I honestly thought the Nunavut Badger Beater would not fail him. Uh, it's always so important to get it in the hole. You've just got to find the hole. You oh, hang on, Colin. Colin, just... sorry. Sorry to get too excited there. But you're Canadian. Mackenzie Hughes. Now, that is a typical Canada stroke. He's trying to find the hole. But, oh, he's oh, nearly got the oh, hole. That's not the ball. He just nailed a cockatoo right out of the sky. There's a poor wow. defenseless bird flailing on the greenery. I've got to say, Colin, in the esteemed history of Canadian sport, as we've got Patrick Reed here about to uh, swing for the, the green and he gets it on there, that's good for America. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a greater sporting moment than what I just saw there from the Canadian golfer. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think of 2002, 2010 Winter Olympics, Penny Alexiak's on track for medals at these, these games, the Canada Cup. I mean, that was just iconic Canadian sport. And listen to the crowd. Let's just take a moment. Listen to the crowd. Oh, no. Oh, what a shot there from Gunn, the Thailand guy. Oh. Sorry, I got too excited there as I listened to the crowd. But, I mean, Thailand fashion at its peak there with the man bun. But, uh, I mean, Canadian sporting history has been made today with a Canadian hitting a ball onto the fairway. Uh, it's the first time for everything. Now, this man right here, what country oh, is he from? There? We, we know that famously they're not allowed names until they can actually at least place in the top five. We should also uh, keep an eye out too. One that uh, I'm sort of doing a bit of reading. There's a few articles floating around the Australian media right now of where of our our medal chances going to come from in the final week. You know, people. There's all of course the news.com today. You flashy articles of how we're going to top Athens and we're going to go across there to do all this sort of stuff. One person we have not mentioned once is uh, Catherine Mitchell, the reigning world champion in javelin. Uh, so she's in it with a bit of a shot, but uh, apparently she's coming into this with a bit of an injury. So uh, they're, they're, that's why they haven't really bookmarked her as a possible chance. But you never know. 
uh, she she could potentially do it. Have you, have you heard much about Catherine? What are you thinking about our chances of throwing a stick long? Is she from the uh, the Australian beef ads? Uh, I I Is don't know. Her? Have you seen Have you seen those ads? No. Where, I feel like I'm missing uh, out though. <laughs> there's like one sliver of meat left, and then um, it's go. It's between her or her brother who gets it, and then the mum says, "I'll go on, give it to your brother. You know he's been trying to beat that record for ages, and he's on like one of like the dance machines, like down at like the arcade, oh, trying to set a high score." Yes, I have seen that ad. Um, I don't know if that is her. Um, am I actually, hang on. I'm just, I'm just double checking here. Am I getting, there's two Australians in here. Is it the other one that's the world champion? Is it all, uh, no, that's the men's. Is it the javelin? Am I looking at the right event? Because according to this, Catherine Mitchell isn't the world champion. I don't know. We have a world champion in some field event that apparently is meant to be doing well. Uh, oh no, hang on. Mackenzie Little. Uh, <laughs> um, Ben, like this is why no one listens to this is why Colin tucks tantrums because I can't even get my facts right. I don't even know who our world champion. I mean, let's be honest, no one in Australia knew who our world champions are in athletics, if they're not Kathy Freeman. I mean, who's our last like I mean Sally Sally was. We know we knew Sally, mm-hmm. Pearson slash Mackenzie. Um But even is she the right one? I don't know. We've got a world champion somewhere in Javelin. I don't know our athletes. Who won the world championship for Jav- Bugger this, I'm not giving up. Australian world champion javelin person. Because um, <laughs> it's not her. I, I don't know what's happening, Jared. I really thought we were going to have a super short episode, but I'm just being anal right now. Kelsey Lee Barber. That's the one. <laughs> Come on, Jared. You knew that. Why weren't you correcting me? Who's Catherine then? Yeah, I don't she know. competing? <laughs> I've given these, I've given these javelin throwers extra airtime. Like the Mackenzie's listening to us every day. Go, oh my god, they're talking about me. Um, Kelsey Lee Barber, world champion in Doha, uh, silver medalist in the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games, and bronze in Glasgow. Uh, so, I mean, she couldn't even win the gold in the in the Commonwealth, but she could win the bloody gold in in the World Champs. And I don't know if I trust her. Like you yeah, don't you she's, win the the, she's the one from that ad. She's the she one is, from that ad. Yeah. Okay, okay. Catherine Mitchell won the gold in the javelin. In, so Catherine Mitchell is in the event, but she's the Gold Coast Gold Commonwealth Games thrower. Kelsey Roberts, our world champion, is the silver medalist from the Commonwealth Games. So fuck. Jesus, javelin throwers are coming everywhere, Jared. We're, we're oh, full of them. We're gonna go to the one, two, three, even though we don't have a third athlete in it. I know. <laughs> Who was this other one I mentioned? Catherine Mitchell. So why do we have three? Mackenzie. Who's Mackenzie Little? Javelin. Okay, so. So we do athletic, have three. So we can go one, two, three. No. Athletics qualification, group A. We have Mackenzie Little. She threw. Uh, so she's already thrown. No, that's a personal. God, I don't understand what is going on right now, Jarrett. I don't know. There's group B. Okay, so we do have three. All right. Kelsey Lee Barber. And Catherine Mitchell are in Group B tomorrow. Okay, good news. And Group A, Mackenzie Little will throw. And for Canada, because we're an equal opportunity confused podcast, Elizabeth Galil will throw in Group B. And that's it. They're not good enough to have more than uh, three, two, one. I don't fucking know what's happening. I thought that he lost the first round, the second round. Yep, fair enough. 
I honestly didn't think he did well enough in the third. I was a bit surprised that he won. I'm being honest. I sat there going, nah, Harry hasn't done it. But he did, and he went off, and Australia's going off. Boxing, we've got a medal for the first time since 1988, Jared. Yeah, who would have thought that that uh, double bronze rule would come in so handy to uh, make sure we're guaranteed? But I think we're going for more than that. Well, I mean, I don't know. He's up against the number one in the world, Andy Cruz from Cuba. So uh, not too sure there. But, I mean, this is, again, one of these ones that, like, look, if he loses and gets knocked out in five seconds, it's, you'll take it as a win. I mean, it's a long time between boxing medals for Australia, a sport that we've never won a gold in. So uh, who knows? Gets it through to the gold medal match and, and you never know. I and mean, this is a guy who does baller, ballerina stuff. He's a ballerina in his spare time. Ba- just, ballerini stuff? Ballerini stuff. <laughs> Ballet. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh <laughs> I don't know what it's called. What's it called? Bella Ballerini? Ballerini. Do you want to, hey, hey, you know, I've got some tickets here. Do you want to go check out the ballerini stuff with me? You know, you know my favorite Natalie Portman film, that one with all the ballerini stuff in it that she won an Oscar for? <laughs> Black Swan. It was great. Um, I look really good in a ballerini skirt. It really suits my figure. But uh, the best ballerini around, Harry Garside, through to the semis. So fantastic there for uh, Harry. <laughs> Rafik right now, welcoming Axel into him. Oh, and here we go. Straight down below into the downward dog, but up into the upward dog. And oh, a throw down. Oh, Axel. He goes in for the dry route. Now he's just humping him slightly. Now, this is a marking of territory, a classic Kyrgyzstanian wrestling move. Now he's got him on the headlock here. He's saying, hey, you're mine. Take it. Take it. That's it. The finish ref is liking this. He's getting in for a close view. He's going to put this on his OnlyFans account. Oh, and Axel now really trying to put him outside the yellow circle into the flippy flip mood and into the flippy flip on the backy back. And oh, that's an OnlyFans special. That's a premium content. Oh, and don't the Kyrgyzstanians love it. Right over the top rope, and the countdown begins. One, two, three. He's got to be careful not to get counted out here or disqualified. I do wow. like how he uh, so seamlessly transitioned between the missionary position, the doggy position, and what I believe was the iguana position by the end there. Colin, I'm so impressed that you've learned some of these positions recently. Kudos to you. Wow. Uh, that, that move. I've had some seven. co-hosts exposing me to some videos. They sound like sick people. You should get away from them. news at the equestrian is that um all the jumps they're obviously all styled in kind of traditional japanese elements there's like a geisha jump and there's a couple of temple jumps but the one jump that's causing everybody trouble is the sumo wrestler jump which is putting off the horses the horses are not liking running at this uh this big sumo wrestler and i believe they actually come into it not like face on they come in from the back so they see the butt first (laughs) Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's apparently there's been a number of horses that have balked at this jump and haven't wanted to go over it because they see this big imposing figure and backside before they get to the jump and they're not happy about it. Well, would you? Would you want to jump if you see a big butt in your no, face? No, I don't think jump? so. Yeah, I'm on board the horses here. Have they removed it or is it still going to be there? I think it's still there. Wow. I mean, that's actually, I always like that about the show jump because I remember in Sydney, they kind of have like all the cool little, you know, elements and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I do want to uh, read you a little bit of an excerpt here because uh, I picked up Andre DeGrasse's autobiography and I think it's right up your alley here. Uh, so this is called Race With Me by Andre okay. DeGrasse with yep. illustrations by Joseph Bonsu. 
Oh. So Andre Degas's autobiography, this is finally a book that Ben can read here. <laughs> when I run, oh, look. I feel free. <laughs> My name is Andre, and just like you, I love to run. Running fast is the most fun thing to do. <laughs> I am so excited. Today is the day of the big race. I can feel the energy in the air. When I arrive at the stadium, it's very busy. There are thousands of people are here and around the world getting ready to watch me run. Obviously written before Tokyo. <laughs> this one's for you, Ben. When I was your age, my heroes were sports stars. I love sports. Soccer and basketball were my favorites. I went to sleep dreaming that I was a famous athlete playing my best game in the packed stadium. He's got he's got Raptor stuff on the wall there. He is, mate. Yes. <laughs> Illustrations. I mean, only about 30 pages. This is, uh, this is really, your book. You finally I'm got really a book worried here. that he's never going to come on the show now that you just called that his autobiography. You just made him sound really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I'm Andre. I, I run know, I'm, fast. <laughs> I'm making Ben sound dumb. I think this is great. Actually, this I, I found out about this book uh, about two weeks ago. Um, well, I guess about three weeks ago. Within the week, it came out a week before the Olympics started. And uh, originally, they were selling it for $100, but you could get an autographed copy and all the proceeds were going to charity. Uh, it's still going to charity, but you can buy it in stores now for $17. So big plug for Andre DeGrasse's children's book. I, I, I got this with the intention of, I can read this to the kids, but like Remy, one of our twins is the great book destroyer. So I don't want them to touch this. Now I've now bought a children's book that my children aren't going to be allowed to read. But you read it to me. So you'd read it to one of your children. So that, <laughs> there you that, go. Worked, out, that worked out well. <laughs> It's freestyle 86 kilo America, David Taylor. That's the most American name you could ever get. Uh, ahead of Iran and Rock and Sam Marino. Sam freaking Marino won another medal. I didn't even know this. What? That's his third. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Didn't even see that till now. I'm losing it. Bloody hell. Sam Marino, the star of the Olympics. Um, women's freestyle, uh, 57 kilos. Rosako, Kawhi, Japan. At a Belarus, USA. Bar. Bugger everyone else. Sam Marino are on fire. God, this, is the, this is the greatest Olympics ever. All the countries are winning. Canada's winning gold. Australia, New Zealand. Cuba can't stop winning gold. Now fucking Sam Marino. Burkina Faso. Like, light up Tunisia, the world. Tunisia, Qatar. Qatar, Bermuda, uh, Bahamas. I mean, God, this Ooh, is a beach boy song crack. I mean, this is the best Olympics ever. Come on. Seriously. No, you don't need crowds for the Olympics. You just need medals, medals, medals. Um, oh, I'm so happy with that. That's amazing. San Marino, that's so good. Get on board the hype train right now, Jared Luby, because here comes France. We've got the Tremble Twins, and isn't everybody trembling in their wake right now as they come out with this stoic look on their faces? Check out those faces there, Jared. They've come They've come to artistic swim. They have, and just look how tight that nose plug is. There's no chance of any water going up that nostril. Now, this, I believe, is a message to the world ahead of the Paris Olympic Games that France are no longer scared. We are not running away. We are running towards. And you can see there the bowing and arrows right now. This is I'm looking forward to this, Jared. France finally has an opportunity to say, we're no longer chicken. It's true. And there's a little nice little uh, reference to Australia there in the uh, green and gold outfits. Yes, indeed. Now, good splash there. I think that will get some points from the judges. Now, of course, uh, the mm -hmm. Tremble sisters are one of the favourites here. They're uh, looking to do a very good routine. And what a flip there. Wow, that's the Eiffel oh. Tower if I've never seen one before in my life, Jared. Wow. 
Yeah, definitely. And they go straight from the Eiffel Tower into the um, Chandelier. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Now, that's the Tour de France as they flip around now into the Cannes Film Festival. And this is the part where they say, okay, we usually run right now, but now we're France. We're spreading ourselves to you to ensure that you will be afraid of us. Now, look at the butt movement, the butt wiggle under the water there. I have not seen butt movement like that since the Italians earlier on tonight, Jared. That is, that is incredible butt work. Yeah, that takes a lot of effort and practice. Um, they'll be very proud of that. And the underwater ju judge will um, definitely score that high. Absolutely incredible. Now, this, is, of course, is the Notre Dame section of their routine, which I believe is where the judo will be held once they do rebuild it after the, all the fire damage, which uh, was, of course, very sad. But uh, interesting here now that they do go for the sort of the Ichimata move now for the judo in the Notre Dame before switching over to the Louvre, which I believe is where the skateboarding will take place, Jared, which is a unique touch for Paris 2024. Yeah, it's going to be great to see the um, the street being held on the um, roof of the Louvre, obviously the iconic glass pyramid. Um, that's going to be a great ramp where the uh, skateboarders can get some serious air. Now, this, of course, is generally the part where France starts running away, but again, they're going straight towards everything now. And this, of course, is the introduction of breakdancing, one of the big sports that we will see in Paris 2024, which I do believe will take part on top of the Eiffel Tower, which is what this move right there, there it is, signifies, Jared. Yeah, it's just, it's really impressive that they've managed to include um, all these subtle references to the new sports coming into the game. Now they've come, kind of gone into a cuisine section. Yes. Uh, you can see the frog legs there, uh, obviously a traditional French dish. And now we've gone into the escargot. I just love the way they signify the escargot with kind of the head wobble there into the shell. And then they easily transfer this. And I believe this is the Stade de France. Of course, that is the main stadium in Paris, the home of the 1998 World Cup where France famously won. And there's their tribute to Zinedine Zidane, the headbutt. I do love that. That works very, very well. And as they transition now back into the spinny spin, which as we saw the Australians pull off before, but a little bit more flair there when the French do it. Yeah, just some extra rotation in there, a little bit more speed. Um, and that's what this pair's known for. And of course, this now will be the part where they also try to suck up to Thomas Bach to put a French person in control. But uh, the spin there, not quite as good as the extra votes there for John Coates. I, I feel they, they didn't quite execute the bribery there as well as the Australians did. No, and then clearly they're aiming for the wrong judges there. Down the end, that's Paddy. She'll pick that up um, and she won't be impressed. Yeah, no, Paddy's never impressed. It's a very good uh, observation there, Jared. Now they go into the lying backwards dead float, which of course, again, this, the traditional French move, but they turn that into the, hey, we're coming at you now. Get out of the way, Italy. Get out of the way, the Netherlands. We're Europe's powerhouse. And here's their subtle little finger to their neighbours to the north, the Brits, by saying, hey, if you win more gold than us in these Olympics, we're going to close the tunnel. And they don't want the tunnel closed, Britain. They don't want the tunnel closed. No, definitely not. Wow. And wow, what a, a little bit of a lacklustre finish there. I would have liked to see them strike a bit of a pose. Oh, but the French love it, um, though. A bit, the... bit sloppy, but um, the audience is happy. And aren't these pair happy for twins? They're very close there. Uh, I'm not too sure about the making out afterwards there, but maybe it's a French thing. They're very friendly. But look at that flip there to signify the beginning of the Paris Olympics. Just uh, absolutely incredible. Lots of water there. And the nose plugs, they, they just uh, gone for the peak nose there, Jared, which is a bit unusual for the French. It is. I'm just getting back to the flip. I do like that subtle nod to um, the way off the podium has flipped the attitude towards French athletes. Yes. 
Um, it's always lovely to get a reference. Well, that's, I believe, why they did include the subtle finger to the Brits, saying that we're now on board the off-the-podium train. And this little move here, actually, uh, we didn't mention it before, but that's a subtle little mention to say, you put as many Australian athletes as you want in Athlete of the Day. Don't listen to the Canadians. So I do, they're big listeners to the show, of course, the Tremble Twins. So uh, what are you expecting here, Jared? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that's maybe high 80s, potentially about an 86, 87. Yeah, I think that's going to um, vault them up the leaderboard. Look at that, oh, 88. Wow, 8th place. 26.6 difficulty there, 35.4 for artistic impression, and that puts them, yeah, into 8th place. That is, uh, they don't look too happy there, the trembles, though. I, I don't know, maybe if that, that kiss at the end kind of... Uh, oh, no, they're happy now. They're happy. They're, they've, they've waved. It's, it's very French, uh, French face, I would say, that one, Jared. Yeah, you can see that um, just with their execution score that it was Patty who really marked them down. Um, she's a real stickler for being above the board. Yeah. She's not from Liechtenstein, so she hasn't had any bribery lately. Now, this, of course, is the Trembles' mother, Janet. Uh, very close family, the Trembles, and uh, doing a bit of a French dance there, which is always nice to see. We'll, we'll get the final standings here in just a moment for this uh, qualification and check out the volunteers here. Haven't the volunteers just been so friendly here in Tokyo, Jared? Oh, they've really made it. Um, and I'm excited to see, I believe, after the uh, athletes finish, there is just like a volunteer round. Um, so looking forward to that. Now, Matthias, one-eyed Matthias. Well, just in the steeps of history. Now he pings it, he pongs, he pings, he pongs. Oh, he pongs it back, he pings it. Oh, the swip over, pong on the ping. Wow. That was a double pong. Goodness and I me. Think he may have locked this up. 8 3. He's pulled a point back. This is the closest Sweden have ever been to Japan in a game of table tennis at the Olympics in history. We are seeing history in front of us right now as he pings, he pongs, he pings, he pongs. Double ping! And he misses oh, it. He took it to the crotch and look at it. The Japanese did not even sell that. Oh my goodness. The blood that got sniffed before. And now Japan moved two points away. From a semi-final spot in this team event, Matthias can't believe it. The double pong, it's his special move. He's been practicing that so much, Colin. He'll be regretting that for the rest of his life. Yeah, you know what? Bad things happen when you're playing with one eye. Oh, well, you'd think that Niwa had one eye there because I think he tried to aim that for another table in the set next to him there, but the Swedes love it. 9-4. Well, he was aiming for the coaches, saying, you know what, this alive is not doing me any favors. Niwa is going to tennis this one up. Tennis, table, tennis, table. Oh, and he's missed the table, Matthias. And you know what that means, Colin. That's six match wow. points, which you know what that means. We're going to play this sound. Oh, it's the gobbledygook round of bingo. Niwa, oh, the bring it on. Wow. I do love a good gobbledygook. This is exciting now. Japan with a gobbledygook chance for the first time. Matthias serves. Back to Niwa. Oh, and Matthias has pulled one oh. back. Oh. He's prevented the first gobbledygook point. And Jeez. see, interesting strategy. He's now oiling up his forearms with the sweat. Uh, he may be ditching the packet altogether and just playing this all with his hands and arms. Now, what is the purpose behind that? Does that bring him some strategy to prevent the gobbledygook? I mean, at what point does that really help him along the way here? It's all mind games. Uh, it's just saying to your opponent, look at me, I own you. I don't even need a paddle, a racket, or a packet. I can do this all on my own. See, and they brought in new saliva. He looks happier with this one. It's a little more chilled. 
Definitely. Another great Colin Hilding fact. Hashtag Colin Facts. Now 10-5 here in the third. Of course, Niwa took the first 12-10, then 11-5. Now Matthias here. Oh, of look course, at that. They're they playing against the clock. we got 31 seconds left before the nuke detonates. Wow. Who will cut the blue wire? I, I don't know. It's usually That's usually Matthias's job, but he's got one eye, Colin. I don't know. This, oh. this could be dangerous. We've got gobbledygooks. Uh, We've got nukes. Will he be able to determine the color with one eye? I, I don't know. Tell you what, Colin. I'm I mean, actually regretting coming in to the studio to record this year today because we are very close to that table and that nuke. Well, look, at the end of the day, we're all going to go out some way. What, what better way to go out when you've got gobbledygooks and one-eyed table tennis players around us? I mean, I was just about to say, I mean, look at the crowd here just going off and the kids around. The, the kids love table tennis, Colin, don't they? This is what they're here for, yeah. You know what? They, they will be combining in Paris table tennis and breakdancing. Oh. Uh, that's uh, going to be the new sport. So I mean, you think the kids are going crazy here. Wait till you get break table tennis. Breaking news from Tokyo today as we've got the uh, final point. Possibly here's Ping the Pong. The Pong back to Ping. Oh, what a Pong. Oh, my oh. goodness. From oh. about 45 feet away. Jeez. He's within four now, Matthias. This is Stockholm's going off. I haven't seen them go off this bad since they last won Eurovision. This is incredible. He saved another gobbledygook. What can Niwa do here? He pongs, he pings, he pongs, he pings! It's in the air! It's over! Oh, victory for Japan! Oh. Listen to the victory music! There it is! Japan are through to the semis. Niwa, look at the emotion on this young kid's face. He is going off, Colin Hilding. Proving once and for all, two eyes beats one. And proving once and for all, if the Japanese throw a nuke out there, you better watch out. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Japan are coming to the semifinals. And what sportsmanship here from the Swedes coming up to the Japanese. We know they hate each other. That nuclear bomb was set there deliberately by the Swedes. They wanted to bring back Nagasaki. They wanted to bring back Hiroshima. But Japan stood up firm and said, Nope, this is not 1945. This is 2020. And we are going to stand up to this. And they have done it big time here in Tokyo, Colin Hilding. The home crowd are going off. Uh, not on their watch. Uh, this this is all Japan right now. Uh, this will be the headline story at the end of these games. Forget about Naomi choking. Forget about treadmills. It's all the table tennis as they move on to the semifinals. They're pretty much guaranteed a medal at this point. I mean, let's just say it. Look, I'm going to say this right now, Colin. It's something that people haven't been wanting to say, but I'm going to be the first to say it. Koki Niwa was robbed of lighting the cauldron at the opening ceremony. Let's be honest. He's he's mm. relieved all the pressure. Naomi couldn't deal with the pressure. She's done. But he did, and look at this performance. Absolutely dumb. The only one of his teammates to go three donut, and look at that. Doesn't even need to have his teammate play. That's how much he cares about his team. He cares about his country. He stops nuclear bombs. He gets to spit on everything, and what a what a man. What what a man. My man of the Olympics, Colin Hilding. Bring him up here. I want him to give him a lick. I want to give him a lick all over. Niwa, come here. Come here. You have anything to say here, Niwa? <laughs> oh, this doesn't work well with the mask. You can come back later when you can unmask. Let me lick that man later on. But right now, we're going to lick ourselves back to the Off The Podium studio because that's all we've got time for today. I do want to give a special shout-out to Anika Schley, the German. Did you watch this? This was heartbreaking. She set an Olympic record in the, um, was it the fencing? I think she, she held like a massive, massive lead going into the show jumping section. 
and the horse wouldn't do anything. Like, it wasn't even her fault. The horse would not move. It was just, like, standing there, and she is bawling her eyes out. She is absolutely in hysterics. She is whapping the shit out of this horse with the, the crop, uh, and, like, you could just see the frustration. It was really, really hard to watch. And then as she got it going, the horse finally got going, it then started off well. It was like, okay, like, the horse is, you know, here we go. Uh, and then the horse at one point just completely smashed into one of the barriers knocked everything off. Uh, the horse is called Saint Boy, by the way. And she, like, just, she was in absolute hysterics. Even the commentators, and we'll get to the commentary a bit in the moment because I realise we skipped over that. Even she said, she was like, this is hard to watch. This is hard to commentate on. Um, she apparently was fourth in Rio. And again, looking in such a great uh, position, having set the Olympic record in fencing. So it was heartbreaking. It really was hard to watch. It was kind of like how we put up the the rock sports climber the other day. But um, yeah, and God, I mean, it's so hard to watch it. Not even the, um, couldn't even blame it on the uh, sumo wrestler gate that they yeah. have at the, the, the um, show jumping. That wasn't here. I'm telling you now based on the history of Germany, and I, I don't really want to use stereotypes here, but that horse is meat. That horse is dead. It's going to be... T- I mean, they, they shoot a horse at the Melbourne Cup if it break, breaks a leg. I mean, this horse costs Germany a medal. Like, I'm sorry, Saint Boy, but you are Saint dead. Just, uh, you know, put it out there. Put it in the grinder. Put the sumo in there. I mean, how, how else, you know? Like, you can't do this to any other athletes at the Games. I love horses. I love animals. But I'm saying it right now. Saint Boy, put it in the meat grinder. I just want to add to you, I don't know if you saw at the um, the ending of the modern path, pentathlon, did you see that the person responsible for holding up the ribbon at the end, yes. like the guy only just got like across before <laughs> yeah. she made it through? Like, he was not paying attention. One volunteer is holding one side and the other guy, you just see him like literally a second before she crossed, like run, sprint in front yep. of her so she could actually yep. go through. I, I did note that down as something. I did see that. That was hilarious. Uh, I mean, this is a photo that, you know, you want on your wall for years to come. Katie French is like, oh, like this is a thing. What's she going to have? Like a half-cocked volunteer going, fuck, put the ribbon up. <laughs> see the blur of him running across as she's running through. Like, like the volunteers at these games have been brilliant. Like they really have been amazing doing their jobs in all these different services. This is she's let it down as much as 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 Saint Boy. Like shoot the volunteer, put her in the meat grinder with Saint Boy. <laughs> you could imagine like so easily though being in that position though. You get the job of holding up the ribbon and you're just standing there forever having a chat to the other person on the other end. And next thing you know, you turn around and then oh, <laughs> quick. Yep. Shit. There it is. My bad. Uh, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I see one more ad for The Voice. I am going to go to the Channel 7 studios and burn it to the ground. We get it, Channel 7. The Voice starts this Sunday. I understand. I understand there's some 16-year-old girl who is the sister of a boy and that she's got a good voice too. I understand there's some woman with a kid who goes, I love you, mummy. Like, it's just, just, if I hear... That Justin Timberlake song sung one more time <laughs> as they're going up the elevator and stop trying to transition it into some commercial for the Olympics where they're like, oh, it's like the Olympics when the flag. I get it. The voice is on Channel 7. I am so fed up with the, the voice ads. <laughs> I agree. This is the same as um, 
how like every year at the tennis you get the after the tennis ads and by the end you're like i'm definitely not gonna like watch this show just out of protest like i wasn't gonna watch the voice anyway but the ads are so annoying i cannot stand that one with the the sister oh oh, would would you like have you ever thought about competing i'm like (laughs) yes this is how this is how television shows work there hasn't been an audition process she's just rocked up on the day and they said (laughs) oh well you can sing why don't you go out there was no vetting of her um, she just happens to be great. They had no idea, but she just happens to be great. They have just happened to have her music queued up, ready to yep. go. Yep. I just, All, oh, I'm just like, clearly this did not happen. It's so frustrating to watch. I'm like, I'm not buying this stupid story you're trying to spin. I also hate the sub story of the person who got left at sea on a <laughs> scuba diving trip and, and that they could just, the judges could just tell that she had a traumatic experience. Like that hasn't, story hasn't been fed to them to ask that. It's just, I'm like, I don't care. You got left at sea. You survived. Like there's no story here. <laughs> Can I also just point out some of the other ads though? Cause you're absolutely right. Um, but Home and Away, I haven't watched it in a long time. I've been out of this country. I don't know who any of these people are in the goddamn show. I don't care that you're getting married and you're in a car accident, all right? Just, I hope you die in the car accident. And if I see that girl on the stage going, come on, everyone, let's go one more time. Like, holy crap. I know it's a soap opera, but that's gotten worse. Also, nurses, you save one person, you're a hero. You save a thousand people, you're a nurse. Uh, And that SAS Australia bullshit, like... Yelling at freaking Yana Pittman and Alicia Mollick. Like, what's going on? Channel 7, I swear, are just getting worse. I just, I have never understood, like, the need and, like, the armed forces to just yell, like, 10 centimetres from somebody's face. <laughs> but then just also in the current COVID climate, too, it's a really bad look just seeing them yeah. right in front of them, spitting, like, all over them. I'm like, no, what are you doing? You can't do this. And it's stupid. If that was me, I'd start laughing because I'm like, yeah. why are you so, like, angry yelling, like, this far from my face? It's just, it's bad. And then the other ones that in the, whatever that investigation show is. Oh, like, God, that, that guy. I wanted to be a murder investigator <sighs> when I was a kid. <laughs> That typical, like, a cold case show. And I'm like, who even wants to watch this? You already know the result is going to be at the end. So we're still not sure. And the the, the hunt continues for the kill. They never solve anything on any of these shows. You don't need to yeah. watch it. So basically now, of course, this works. Sweden miss, Canada score, they win gold. Sweden score, Canada miss, they win gold. It's that simple. It's not like uh, that cycling one they were trying to explain to me last night, which I was like, I'm gonna... did you watch that? The Omnium? How she's that works? She's, they've taken the mobile by a lapse. They get this many points. And yeah. If they catch back on, this happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Inga comes in. Oh, save for Canada! <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. This is the best thing I've ever watched. <laughs> Come on, Canada. Get my predictions up. Get that gold medal tally up. You've got what, too many what did you have for Canada? You seven, had seven, to... seven, seven, and seven. You did. I had three. I'm fucked. Uh, this will be double if they get this. <laughs> I've gotten closest for the Australian one. I think I had the highest, didn't I? I had 13. Uh, you had 11. Colin had seven. Jesus, Colin. All right. Number seven. <laughs> Speaking of which... For Canada for the gold! Oh, she's got it! Canada a gold medalist! Canada! Canada! Oh, Canada! Oh, what a win! What a magnificent win! 
Wow, stacks on the mill. Party time. It's Poutine Central. Vancouver's going off. Toronto's going off. Winnipeg's going off. Flin Flon's going off. Jared, get on board the Canadians. I'm just excited to uh, to watch the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jared's I'll get it like, at some on. point. <laughs> Emu Plains TV. Oh, there we go. Oh, got a hand to it as well. Wow. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness! What a I'd shame. She she just finished that earlier. She could have been athlete oh. of the day. What would you rather, a gold medal or athlete of the day? It's a toss up. Yeah, if Colin, Colin, right now, if you've gotten this far, which you haven't, because unlike Jared, you don't listen to these. But like, you can't go off on us for saying, "Oh, you should have such and such from Canada because they got the gold," and we probably would have. But we've locked it in. It's 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 in the banks right now. But I'd say this right Canadians now, and I'm speaking. Already, I, I'm speaking for Colin, and he'll come on and talk about this. But this is this is arguably one of Huge. Canada's greatest ever mm. Olympic gold medals. This is insane. Uh, I mean, just and you can see it on the faces of these players right now. They are just absolutely in shock. If you if you were to say a country's got to win an Olympic gold medal in soccer, Canada's not going to be in my top five. They haven't qualified for a men's World Cup since, like, the 80s. They're hosting the 2026 World Cup with the US and Mexico, and there's not even guaranteed they will get an automatic qualification spot because FIFA haven't decided that yet. Yeah, they're a lot better in the in the Women's World Cup. I don't know if they've ever made the semis in the Women's World Cup, but this is huge. This is amazing. And Sweden, Sweden is, like, one of the top nations in women's football. They are by far one of the best. It's like saying, like, Spain or Germany in the men's game. Like, it's... Crazy, crazy, they, Jared. Hmm. And they've dominated like all the other matches as well. That like starting off the tournament with that three 0 win over the US, and then just going from there to, to strength to strength. Like it, it feels like it, is the Swedish football team the equivalent of the uh, Kookaburras, and just that they're always yep. ranked up high and they just can't can't pull it off. Breaking news in the javelin, Australia is in first place. Nicola McDermott has cleared 198 and is clear on High top. High jump. High jump. Thank it's, you. That I was going to say Throwing high. the javelin 198, she's not doing too well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I threw a 190, that's probably my personal best in the javelin. Shut up. Um, you know, I, I'm finding something just watching this. I don't know if this is a regular athlete thing or if they're the only, she's the only one they're showing, but every time Nicola finishes a jump it looks like she's writing in her diary you're stealing my thunder colin you're stealing why i want to talk this woman up um i'll come (laughs) back to that in a second but uh and eleanor patterson in the high jump is equal second right now she's cleared 196 i wanted to talk up nicola because like i i was gonna maybe put her as like an honorable mention for athlete of the day not putting her up but literally they cut to her before an olympic final She's writing in a diary. She just, she just casually walks out, waves, sits down, writes in a diary, a little smirk on her face. Then at one point they cut back to her. She's like laying on a yoga mat, just like sleeping, having a rest. There she is. And then every time she jumps, they cut back to her. She's writing in a diary. Dear diary, just jumped very well. I'm feeling confident. Now, I don't want to, like, by me about to say what I'm about to say, this is not me bagging around, so please don't take it this way. I looked on her Instagram. She's obviously, like, a devout Christian. Like, she's very much, like, very Jesus-y because, like, everything, like, her post is like, you know, I thank Jesus for getting me this. And if you actually look at her diary, you can see, like, a cross, like, in the corner. So... I love this. I love her. She's like my new favorite athlete. I mean, she's gorgeous. I'm just going to say that. But outside of that, like, 
what athlete? Like, Tom Daly, oh, I'm knitting. Oh, whoop-de-doo. Like, she's, like, jumping and going, eh, I've done well. Dear Diary, I'm happy with that jump. <laughs> like, that's Dear brilliant. Diary, Ben's perving on me again. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Dear Diary, I, I threw a javelin 1.98 meters. <laughs> that was the season's best for me. <laughs> Dear Diary, why can't Ben get the sports right? He needs to stop perving, but Jesus will forgive him. Um, I tell you Dear what, Diary, she... <laughs> remind me never to go on off the podium if I ever want to medal again. If she wins gold, I'm taking up Jesus. Like, I mean, like, she's just literally sitting down. Like, I want to see more athletes. I want to see, like, Harry Garside in the boxing. Like, after he wins about, dear diary, could have punched harder today. <laughs> ben Johnson in 1988, dear diary, probably shouldn't have taken those drugs. <laughs> oh, well, I will never get caught. Lol. <laughs> The French guy in the boxing, dear diary. I've got nothing else to do right now. I'm just going to sit here for a while. <laughs> this the is Kazakhstan brilliant. in the wrestling, dear diary. I wonder what an Indian man's arm tastes like. <laughs> Simone Biles, dear diary. I just didn't touch that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not digging up that hole. Um, but uh, I, I want Nicola to win right now for for for. Big Christians and for diary writers. We talked about Peter Ball for <laughs> podcast hosts, like fourth in the Olympics for podcasters. We'll take it. But diary writers, this is <laughs> this is epic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the clashing colour of the orange ball with the um, with the blue and gold outfit. Probably a couple yeah. of deductions there from the judges. I have to say, it's it's kind of a more of a hello boys ball, isn't it? Like, look at me, I've got a bright ball, but I don't know how she's going here with the flips. And oh, she's dropped it between the legs. The ball's between the legs, but she's going to flip it around there. And I'll tell you one thing, I'm glad the boomers weren't playing like that. They played for about two quarters doing that way, but at least they played win that, because that's not good ball movement here by the Egyptian. It's true, but still better than any of the offering the Opals put up throughout the two weeks of the Olympics. Absolutely correct there. Now she goes for the spin back flip twist with the orange ball. The Hello Boys, the Japanese Tinder move. Now she flips it back up. It's going to hit the head. No, she decides to do it. Oh, she's hit the knee. She's hit the knee, Jared. Oh, no, she's hit the knee. She's just showcasing all the sports. I'm not sure if she realizes this terrific gymnastics or if she's just trying to do a tryout for all the other teams. Because we have seen the basketball dribble, uh, the volleyball bunt. Uh, the soccer headbutt, it's just all in there. I, I have heard rumours that the Egyptian Olympic Committee are struggling to find athletes for Paris, so clearly we're seeing here Habiba just uh, doing, trying to do that. But uh, she's doing the flip forward, the forward flip, and then all oh, through the legs up again. Oh, she's caught that one again, through the back knee, the back knee onto the butt, the butt onto the back, the back onto the head. Oh, that's great moves there. The LeBron James bounce before that spike that you're talking about, and under the boob, under the boob ball. Oh, that's an amazing way to finish. She started off poorly, but under the boob ball, that's got to get her some high points here. That is a showstopper. The one way you want to finish a routine to be able to catch a, capture the ball under the boob. Uh, incredible athleticism. There's nothing we can win tomorrow, I don't think. She's Jared, back so. to the live, to the diary again. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, if we get her on the show, can we pool our money? If she, let's just ask her the question. If she says yes fine but if she says no to reading a page from a diary can we commit to pooling our money together so that she could read one page of her diary on the show 
Why do we have to pay her? Like, what are you saying? No, I'm she saying if she says no. <laughs> Diaries are private, Ben. Most of the time, if you ask my woman, can I read bribing your... them is, makes it not private? You, Dear diary, you, never well, read this. He's 50 bucks. All right. Well, <laughs> you, really, athletes, you really you really, think these athletes are making money? Of course they're going to take 50 no, but bucks. I'm, confu- I'm confused. At like, like I, I don't disagree with you. Like, don't get me wrong. I, like, diaries are private, but I don't understand this. Pulling the money will change her mind. <laughs> sure it will. It would for me. I'm 90% sure too her diary is just her writing down the height of the jump and whether she made it or not because it's like a little table with like boxes but there is a chance that the diary is something else and we need to know as a strong Christian woman she's got very firm beliefs but a bit of money the dollars in the slide fund like she's like going on there check out the Canadians crotch bulges Your diary. She's, like very, she's very religious. She's like, Jesus, I love you. Holy crap to grass dong. Wow. Oh, I'm watching the diving. Tom Daly. Whew. I would dong him daily. Um, oh, you, you know that there's at least one page in there like that. Oh, no, I, like I, I'm with you. Like, I can't imagine this news.com today. You aren't running with this right now. Let's, let's double check <laughs> the, the breaking news in Australia. Okay, here we go. Number one, drought breakers. Patty's perfect helping boomers win bronze. Followed by Coach Punch's horse after gold medal loss. Followed by <laughs> livid Chinese divers. Nasty act. Um, okay. Uh, and there's also a boxer wins gold with impossible punch. Interesting. Oh, and Joe Biden's horse. <laughs> I think so. Joe Biden told to stay away from 9-11 events. Okay, well, 9-11 comes up on this sh- our shows pretty recently. So... Uh- <laughs> The giant flag on the Eiffel Tower. Can I just put this out? The yeah. giant CGI flag on the Eiffel <laughs> yeah. Tower. How did your How did your Canadian broadcasters explain the giant flag on the Eiffel Tower? It wasn't even mentioned. They were dead silent during the whole display. Okay, so um, good to know because our Channel Seven commentators decided to go. And yes, this is a 90-meter flag that is one of the largest in the world, constructed <laughs> on the Eiffel. And I'm literally going, this is worse CGI than James Bond in Die Another Day kite surfing, and you're saying this is real. They literally then cut to the live shot of all the happy French people waving their flags, going, oh, we're friends. And the, flag, the largest flag in the world is gone? It's not even on the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> like it's, they're like, seriously, like, I, I know they get notes given to them, like, hey, here are your official closing yeah. ceremony notes. So you have the like, did the Paris organizing committee do this? Did the Tokyo, or, or is this just like Jerry in the canteen at Channel 7? Hey, 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 Sean, come here. I'm going to write this on the notes of Joanna Griggs Hamish and that SBS chick. Watch this. Flag, <laughs> 90 meters. <laughs> get this. It's so fucking fake, mate. Yeah, yeah. Largest flag in the world. Shit. See if, see if they'll fucking do that on air. Like, pass it on. <laughs> they are live on the close. Yes, and this is the largest flag in the world. It was so fake. I actually, I was thinking the same thing as you, but I'm thinking it's more likely that it was the French playing the joke. Let's send the note out to everybody. What's your display going to include? The largest flag ever constructed. 100% real. Make sure they sell that it is 100% real. And then they just work in that shot where it's suddenly gone just to make everybody look like fools. That's what the French would do. 
I just like the, the, the French comedian. Oh, Pierre, people think France is not funny. I know Jean-Paul. They think we're like the Hungarians. I tell you what, let's make jokes. Okay, now it's only Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't know. They, they move, they're German French. <laughs> <laughs> I know a largest flag in the world. Oh, oui, oui. Um, and then oh, I have to say, I loved happy French people. Like, And they've got Olympic gold medalists there who were just dancing. Like there was that one, she had the two around her neck. She's like going, oh, I'm French. And like everyone's like, COVID's not a thing in Paris. I thought they were pretty <laughs> bad with it. But then probably my favourite bit is let's zoom in on French President Emmanuel Macron saying like four words. He's like, uh, duh, toi. <laughs> and then it zooms out from the Eiffel Tower and it's all like, Bienvenue, Paris, 2024! Formidable! <laughs> I'm expecting to see Roger Moore and Mayday jump off in the background. <laughs> like, they've got the, like, let's rewind five years ago to Rio. Japanese Prime Minister Shinja Abe dressed as Mario in the middle of a stadium. Everyone falls in, oh, Japan, magnificent. Paris 2024, the French president can say four <laughs> words. Paris 2024. Um, I can't wait to LA 2028 when we've got the Brisbane uh, display when Anastasia Palaszczuk is uh, still being told by our president, you've got to go to the opening ceremony. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> You know what would be even better is former California governor Arnold Schwarzenegger putting on the L.A. display. Holy crap, balls. Can we just say that the L.A. display is going to be brilliant oh, uh, yeah. in, in, in four years, also, time, three years time, let, sorry. Let's not gloss over the Top Gun crew coming out oh, for yeah. the Paris display. Like, wow. <laughs> Since when does French have an air for? Like, they're usually running away. They've usually got, like, the, the, the planes to cart people out of the country. Quick, we should leave. The Germans are coming. This time around, they've finally got an air force. That would have come in handy, like, 80 years ago France Speaking of predictions predictions oh. pre-game predictions wow Jared I've got this on my notes literally in front of me to do this and you're the, like you deserve a you get a gold medal look at you you are the star you are the best host of off the podium Colin the worst what a little baby um yeah, I've, I've highlighted, I've given us points. So, you know, on Euros Vision, download now, hopefully returning in 2022, um, how I would give us a point on who gets the closest and then you would get like two points if you get it accurate. Um, mm-hmm. I actually realise I haven't given people two points if they've been accurate or not. So maybe I need to quickly uh, go over this. But, okay, based on the one-point scenario, um, all right, for gold for Australia, Colin said seven. Well off. Bad Colin. Bad, bad Colin. Jared, do you remember what you said? No, but I imagine maybe too high. You said 11. It's not bad. You did all right. I, however, get the point because I said 13. None of us (laughs) thought we would get 17. So there you go. Point to Ben. All right. For the silvers, Colin said seven. He got that dead on point. So uh, he actually gets two points for that. I need to add another point to his tally. So uh, well done there, Colin. Uh, accurate. Uh, do you remember what you said, Jared? Uh, probably like 20-something. You said 20. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I said 15, so not even close. And for the bronze, Colin said 15. Do you remember what you said? 
probably went higher again. Australia won 22 bronze medals in Tokyo. You said 23. Oh, so close. But you get the point for that one. I said 26. Now, uh, Colin said 29 for the total. And obviously, you and I both went for 54. So, we both get the... Actually, in all seriousness, I remember that conversation a week ago going, we're going nowhere near it. We're only eight off it. So, not too bad. Um, All right. Now, you remember your your Canada account, don't you? I do, fondly. Now, and refresh our memories. What was your Canada account? Seven gold, seven silver, seven bronze. And given that Canada went seven gold, six silver, 11 bronze, you get the two points for the gold. Uh, I said they would win three. I went for their standard Canadian three. Colin went for five. So you get the two points for there. Um, Now, in usual times, I would give you the point for the seven from the seven, seven, seven. But Colin Hilding got exactly correct. He said six silvers. So he gets the double point there. I got 11. So nowhere close. Usually I'm the one who wins at Eurovision. I sucked at this one. Um, For the bronzes, now to clarify, Canada got 11 bronzes. I said 15. Jared said seven, obviously. And Colin went for 12. He was so close again to getting it there accurately, which means Colin gets a point. My total count was 29. Jared Jules is 21. Colin's 23. Colin Hilding won the off the podium. Medal count. Yay. He cried his way to the victory. So um, what, what, what does he win for that, do you reckon? Oh, just the, the pride that comes with it, you know? Same, <laughs> same, say, as, the same as the Olympic skateboarding, right? You don't get anything. It's just the pride <laughs> of competing. I was going to say free choice for athlete of the day on day four of uh, Beijing. No. Uh, I listened to Jared because he was the best host during these games. When you get on a luge for the first time, so you mentioned there two steering points for a bobsled, six for a luge. I mean, are you surprised? Like, I'm surprised to hear that there are six steering points for for a luge. I mean, how how does that go through your head? And, and what? tell me, where are the six steering points? Where are you steering from? So you steer with both your shoulders um, by laying your uh, shoulders into the pond. You've got, you're, you, you're holding onto handles as well um, underneath your sort of backside and then your feet as well, both your feet. So, um, and your steering kind of changes with each way, like with the, um, every time you get onto a curve or something, you can, um, you generally push a shoulder in, like put, pull a handle and then push your opposite foot down as well in order to steer. Through Sounds very complicated. Like, I mean, God, I can barely steer a car with two hands and you're doing this with like, you know, every part of your body, like, wow. <laughs> and, and it really depends on the corner as well. Um, so a lot of people don't understand that you, you actually, like people think that you just like, like Roy and HG said, you know, you just lie back and do nothing. Um, <laughs> We're gu- I'm going to say right now, Hannah, we were guilty of saying that during Pyeongchang. I'm apologising right now for our comment. Don't don't go back and listen to those. We were like, ah, luge is easy. You just push off and you lay there. What else do you do? Yeah, yeah. well, my do-nothing approach resulted in <laughs> me ending up in, uh, in a hospital with a broken back. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was in my early days, but the um, well, it, basically every corner is different. And before every we go to a track, we go the day before or the morning before we get there, um, and before we do our runs, and we have to go through and do a track walk where you go from the bottom up to the top, going through the last corner and building on. So so the the track's got fourteen 
curves you go through and you'd be like, okay, you exit at this point and you're steering off this corner. And then you go to the beginning of the corner and you go, all right, so it's a, it's a middle entry and then you get on the wall, you steer with you, with you and, and it'll be different steering points for each one. Like sometimes they'll be like, just a shoulder steer on this or they'll be like, okay, this is where you really steer it with your, with your shoulder, your handles and your foot. Like, um, so it's quite, yeah, there's, there's quite a science to it. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's fascinating. Behind it. And that's just one curve. And then, you know, in the middle of the curve, you have to hold, hold it there on the wall so that you don't lose and so that um, any pressure. So it's, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it really is a science. So, and I remember one coach saying to me, if you want to get really good at this, go and study physics. And I was like, I'd like to get really good at this, but I don't physics. want to study physics. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I feel that one, yeah. <laughs> me all this, so. <laughs> we'll have yeah. to ask Ash who, who, who's, who's your who's your team? Who's your who's your team and driver? This might make me judge you very hardly early on into this. Oh, interview. I know. Look, I flip flop a lot, and um, you never know how far this this um, podcast could reach. But like, there is a, a joke in our team that I'm a massive Daniel Ricardo fan. Like, natural. Yep. I oh, all the time. I'm just like, he's the the one person that I want to meet. I want to get him in a bobsled. I want to get in a oh, long car. He'd do it. I could see I him think, getting the bobsled right? straight away. He would just right? he would love it. Yeah. Oh, we need to link this up. I'm desperate for it. You know, I'm a bobsled driver. He's a Formula One driver. I think we should do like a little switcheroo. Um, You've but, got similar no, no. energy. I'm seeing this already. Like you kind of got this just passion and outgoing that it just seems like, you know, that you guys would just fit perfectly. Like stick you in a McLaren, put him in a bobsled, it would work. It's like that's the biggest compliment you can ever give another Australian, <laughs> right? Like you got Daniel Ricciardo energy. It's oh, like, God, stop. So much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think I'm like a driver. I'm, I'm less of a team and I'm more of like I support the drivers. I think, but yeah, he's he's got to be my number one. I'm just going to move my head slightly to that way, and you can see probably that cap in the background to see who I support, and we don't oh, really talk oh, about yeah. how we're yeah, not doing well, too well, poor old Ferrari. But um, no. no, I'm big Ricardo. Beautiful fan, cars, of course. though. Beautiful cars. Oh, I mean, growing up, <laughs> Schumacher, Ferrari. I mean, you know, you yeah, couldn't avoid it, right? So it was just no. it, it was a natural fit. Can you share with us any of the, the tracks? Like, you know, you mentioned Whistler before or sort of like Placid. Like, what are the certain songs for each of the certain tracks? All right, let's see. I'm grabbing my phone here. Oh, here we go. She's, I've she's got a playlist. And so, any Germans, Canadians, anyone listening, just tune out now. You don't need to hear Yeah, this. you guys can just turn it off. Uh, yeah. uh, Daniel Ricardo, if you have any suggestions, please yeah. let me know. Um, <laughs> you can Instagram me, WhatsApp. Like, it's fine. We'll set this up. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, so for Lake Placid, which is where I learned to drive. Actually, this whole ritual started in Lake Placid because <laughs> Lake Placid is one of the hardest tracks in the world. And here I was, like, learning to drive. And I was <laughs> like, okay, let's try not to die. And so I would listen to a song because when I was singing the song, I wasn't nervous. <laughs> right, yes. And then it kind of just, like, worked a little bit. And then I went to another track and I was like, oh, damn, this is a really good theory and then it kind of just stuck so for lake Pras lake placid my song is body by loud luxury and brando okay do i need to play it or are we are we visualizing this we no, look you Sorry. can play it if you want to why not let's uh you know i wonder help our listeners out here gonna... can you hear that i can oh yeah i know that song 
Yeah, so this is my like classic song. Yeah, right, I want to start singing. Oh, yep. I'm trying not to right now. No. But, like, <laughs> into it. It's one of those songs. Um, it's kind of like you say it. I'm like, oh, I don't know that. You hear it. You're like, oh yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you yeah. couldn't you couldn't stop hearing it back yeah. in like 2019. It was everywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah. So that's my song for like classic because it's like upbeat and it's like a little bit chippy choppy and that's kind of what that's I, that's not a word I made it up but uh, that's kind of like <laughs> what Lake Placid is to me. Um, and so it's funny because if I'm in the gym here or if I'm just around or I'm clubbing, cause you know, we go clubbing so often in COVID. Um, <laughs> that was sarcasm in case anyone didn't. Uh, um, she's yeah, she's if, the cause I, of the Sydney, the, the outbreak yeah. right now. We've discovered oh it. Oh my yep. gosh. I don't think I've been to a club. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, if I hear one of these songs, I automatically start doing my visualization, my mind run. And it's really awkward in some times. Like I'm about to go for a really heavy lift or something. And then this song comes in and I'm like, in corner one. I just want to see you on the two. dance floor now. Cause it's kind of like, you know, I thought I had bad dancers, but you've got these cool, like sort of mixture between bad and weird and just slightly interesting. Like, you oh know? man, it goes off. It goes off. My mind runs go off. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so that's kind of like what I love and it's really hard. Sometimes like I'll go to a new track and, I'll just get the rhythm straight away and it all makes sense and I can pick the song straight away. And then other times I have to work a little bit harder. So it's a process. Coming to my second games, it was like, okay, I've done this before. Like I know what to expect, but at the same time, the pressure was so much higher. Like I was coming in um, from being number two in the world and it was like, this is it. You know, I know what I've got to do. I've got to get the job done. So yeah, that pressure was, it kind of almost took away from enjoying it, (laughs) but Mm. even still it was, yeah, just a phenomenal experience. You're, you're allowed to blame Channel 7. We know how much pressure they put on with those little clips beforehand, Danielle. It's fine. <laughs> well, Hello to Channel 7. <laughs> I never get to see those because we're always really? overseas. Yeah, so oh. I, I didn't actually get to see much of it. I mean, I'd hear, hear snippets or, um, you know, friends would film the TV quickly or whatever. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah, unfortunately I didn't actually get to see much of it. So Well, we, 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 we'll record the ones for Beijing and we'll, we'll flick them over to you so you can see them uh, sort of all, awesome. all afterwards there. Wait. For the Olympics, I uh, the our um, New Zealand Olympic Committee changed the biathlon qualification, and I, I again wish I could remember if it was a percentage or a placing that I needed, and I didn't make it. So I made the international standard to be able to race it. Sochi, but I didn't make the New Zealand Olympic Committee qualification standard, um, so I didn't get to go. How, how, how does that work? You've, you've had one athlete in the entire history of a country go to an Olympics. You've made the international standard, but do New Zealand just get cocky after 2010 and go, well, we nearly got top 80, so now we're going to have to put this a little bit higher now for Sarah moving forward to Sochi? I mean, that, that to me sounds a bit strange that if you can make the international one, but you're not at New Zealand standard. You know, it's, it's common. Most sport, most countries, their qualification standard is a lot harder than the IOC standard, wow. than the International Olympic Committee. And some teams, you know, won't send a full team, uh, even though their athletes have made the IOC standard, they won't send a full team uh, if they don't make their 
own federation standard. We, we had controversy over that in Pyeongchang with our uh, female bobsled team. It was a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. They made the standard, but the AOC, uh, it wasn't even the AOC, sorry, it was uh, Bobsled Australia were both like, no, this isn't good enough for us. So there was a lot of controversy around that. So it's interesting. It, it's, it's very sort of fascinating and it's just kind of particularly, and this is not me trying to take the piss out of New Zealand, something that I enjoy doing, but it's just kind of, it's, it's interesting that a, a country that's had like not much history in a sport you know, they've got you, their only athlete, wouldn't at least maybe go, okay, well, we know you're good. You've been to an Olympics before. So we're kind of just, you know, scoot around the, the edges a little bit and we'll let you go. Was it How disappointing was that to kind of be at an international standard, but not at that standard where you could get on that plane to Sochi and compete at a second Olympics? Um, yeah, it was super disappointing. You know, it was, uh, I, that was the Olympics I'd been training for. Like I said, the 2010 Olympics were amazing. A little bit of a bonus Olympics, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and then 2014 was the big goal and the big plan. That was a part of the plan. Um, uh, even though maybe those four years before it didn't show it (laughs) now that I think about it, but it was always the goal was 2014. Um, and it was disappointing, but you know, and I, now that I'm working at, like I'm the high performance coordinator for Bathon Canada, and I'm working within this world now, uh, working with the COC and working with Bathon Canada on creating these, um, qualification standards. And it all depends on your nation's, you know, approach to the Olympics. Do you want to send tourist athletes or do you want to send performing athletes? And do you want a medal or do you just want a top 80? And so that's where New Zealand is. We see them in the Summer Olympics. It's such a strong nation, especially for the size of it. And they're doing so well. And that's the mental approach, or at least the approach to the Olympics is we don't want to send you know, necessarily athletes that are, are just there to be there. We want to send athletes that are there to compete and to perform. And so that's where that comes from. And in the moment I didn't understand and it was really hard, but now what are we seven years later? And I'm in this different role within an NS, N, uh, NSO. And I'm like, okay, I, I see where they're coming from (laughs) as an athlete you don't but once you're in this administration world uh you're like aha yes i kind of understand important is sort of a, an in end chat like I mean and which of the two of you is kind of the motivator like Dean are you the one going come on Tyler you can do this or Tyler are you sort of queen positivity there I mean kind of what is the secret to a good curling talk in between ends uh, <laughs> yeah, this I think is- um, having that having that chat is important <laughs> sometimes we forget but <laughs> <laughs> no um I think just sort of discussing what like what happened that end and what our goals are for the next end. That's sort of um, the basics of it. Um, but I feel like um, at the start, Dean was definitely a very big motivator because uh, I was a little bit nervous. But um, I think over time, we've sort of we both sort of um, changed between who sort of like like we sort of bring each other up in our own little way. Um, that's what I think. 
Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that around um, being mic'd up because you're right, there's not many sports around yeah. the world where you actually have the microphone on you and the whole time, you know, they can listen in at whatever time they want, or the viewers at least. Um, so you kind of have to be careful about what you say and, you know, <laughs> what you give away. But, um, yeah, it is, it's a cool element of the sport and it kind of reminds me of that 2020 cricket when they do have a few players mic'd up, but, you know, I think one day they'll have a two-way conversation in some of those fun events with the commentators and the players. I'd love to see that. That'd be that'd really be cool. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, that'd be actually really entertaining. Yeah. Is, is there any possibility that you can kind of wear a secret earpiece to kind of hear what the others are talking about? Because I know in Formula <laughs> One, they've started broadcasting a lot of the radios and the teams can obviously listen to the other radios. So curling, maybe? Is this a secret thing you can do? No, no unfortunately no. not. <laughs> No. No. Well, I no, should we make it happen. Come conversation. on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see that happen uh, ahead of that. Tokyo, I think, as an athlete, is a very different experience. COVID Olympics versus a regular one. I think there's a lot that athletes missed out on because everything would have been so restricted, which is you know. Obviously, it's awesome to be at the Olympics. You'd be pumped to be there. I would be pumped to be there. But for sure, they're missing that element. Uh, for my Olympics, we had two villages, and the McDonald's was in the other village. Ah, oh, damn. So, What's I going know. on there? <laughs> that's for the better because for sure, you'd be tempted to just yeah. go hit up a McDonald's. It's like, well, I got a race in a few days. Like, that's probably not good. So. It was probably for the best that it wasn't there. <laughs> Bit of Big Mac weight going on there out there on the uh, the team really oh, yeah. wouldn't help you. I mean, they had other <laughs> junk food. Don't get me wrong. They didn't have McDonald's, but there's plenty of burgers and pizza, fries, ice cream, you know, all the junk food that I'm sure killed my coaches was even tempting us. <laughs> which, which I'm sure, though, like, do you then see or realize that, okay, clearly your event's finished for the games because you've got, like, a tray of pizza and all this kind of yeah. stuff, whereas I'm eating the salad and the, the celery and stuff. Like, you're finished, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is, like, I justify it by saying, oh, you know, I trained really hard today. Yeah. You know, I train a lot, so I can have I can have a piece of pizza. Like, that's okay. <laughs> so, you know, you have a little bit. But 100%. Like, we had Team Canada had uh like the village was a bunch of apartment buildings and team canada is big enough we just had our own building and the bottom floor was an athlete lounge they turned it into an athlete lounge so athletes just hung out there and i remember one of the athletes like you just said his event's done so he's just there for like a week and he was just talking he was like oh i don't know what i'm gonna eat today i'm kind of sick of just eating ice cream bars and pizza or whatever he said i just looked over like oh man i just like it'd be nice to just like let loose for a little bit I, like, oh, I might have to just like try something else today i'm getting kind of sick of that yeah yeah in terms of one aspect of the olympic experience you, you mentioned it slightly before believe you're very much into the pin collecting side of things, Scott. Mm -hmm. This is something you do uh, at, at multiple events you go to. Now, they often talk about how Olympic pin collecting is sort of the, the unofficial sport of, of both the Summer and the Winter Olympics. I mean, how, how was that? And, and do you go in with, like, do you ask Team Canada, give me extra ones, I need to trade, all this sort of stuff? And how many pins do you end up coming home with after Pyeongchang? Yeah, so I, uh, like, I kind of co have collected pins throughout my life. Like, if there's cool ones of a place I've been, it's like, okay, I'll hang on to that. And, you know, I have a drawer that I just, like, kind of keep them all in. They're not on display or anything. But I remember when we got to the Olympics, they give you, like, a handful. I think Canada had, like, four different pins right. that you could trade. And then they maybe gave you, like, five of each, which, like, 
sounds like a lot like 20 okay i've got like 20 pins or whatever that number is it's like yeah that's not nearly enough for what i needed like i needed yeah. like 100 pins to be able to trade with all the <laughs> other countries but anyway they have limited supply so it maxed out at 20 they didn't really have more to give you and when i first got there i thought oh man pin like who's gonna pin trade that's so stupid i don't care and then <laughs> there was an app you can download because you could the olympic committee they had their own pins and there was like a little think of pokemon go but for pins like there'd wow. be some kind of ping somewhere within the village and you had to walk to it and then you'd answer a, a question pop up some simple question about olympic trivia you get the answer right and then it logs it on your app and then you go into the dining hall you meet with the pin person you show him your phone he's like oh well, here's your pins right he like gives them to you and it's like i did that once I was like okay this is pretty sweet so then i was like <laughs> running around the village trying to get all the pins i could as quickly as i could and wow. i was immediately trying to trade with people and so yeah it for sure i got like super addicted to it and i know i will again at this next olympics because I, I don't know why, that. it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you have and a actually, favorite? Do you get like the certain countries got like a really cool pin that you just, you hold higher than some of the others? Yeah, you know what a really cool one was? Australia. They had like this all gold, uh, I think it was a kangaroo with like the Olympic rings underneath it. And that one was super cool. And there, for sure, there are some countries like th those countries also knew they had like the best, like they were holding the best pins. So it was hard to get it from them. And that's the other thing. Once athletes from other countries realize oh this pin's like worth something you know yeah. quote unquote like <laughs> it's really hard to trade for it whereas early on when me and my teammates are the only dorks trading pins they're just like giving them away right <laughs> and then once people got into it it became a much harder sport so there's definitely a few really good ones and i have to say canada probably had some of the best because nice. we also had multiples so yeah people they realize oh man canada has like four different ones you could collect and so people really wanted to trade for Canada pins. That's awesome. I, I I worked at the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast and sort of as a as an employee, we were kind of discouraged from asking for pins. But then, so you don't, but then all of a sudden you get offered a pin or something. Like, okay, this is cool. And then, yeah, by the end of it, you're like, fuck, you know, I'm only working here for a month. And like, what are they going to do, fire me? So you just end up like yeah, getting exactly. it. So I had the lanyard just coated in pins. And oh, yeah. it was just, it got so addicting. It just, I, yeah, I know the does. feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it was the same for for Korea, where it's like all the volunteers and stuff. I think they're told like just don't even talk to the athletes, just leave them alone. Yeah, let them do their thing. They're not here to talk to you. I mean, I never care. Like, don't talk to me when I'm in the middle of the start pen or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? But if I'm just like walking to the bus, you know, people come up and they're from all over. I mean, at the Olympics, we're in Korea. There's like guys from America. There's guys from Ireland. Like, who knows where? Right. They're, they're talking. And yeah, same thing. So, oh, you got a pin? It's like, yeah, of course I do. And then you just trade, whatever. It was, it was a lot of fun. Colin, do you, do you have any like Canadian ones? Were there any sort of Canadian interviews that went viral or anything along those lines? No, not really. I, I think most of the interviews were uh, more subdued, <laughs> ripping their shirts off. <laughs> um, th there was one guy, Nate Reich, that uh, just ended up being played over and over and over again. Uh, I, I, he's actually from Victoria, so I don't know if you had heard of him when you were there or potentially interviewed him. But uh, he was in the 1500 meter. What was, meter his, what was his name? Nate Reich. Nate, okay. Uh, there was there was a, a one athlete that I did interview for my story, but I don't know if it was Nate. Keep talking. I'll I'll find out. I can't remember. <laughs> well, he was. Uh, I think he was the world record holder coming into this. And then he, uh, I believe, broke his world record and won the gold. 
um, because we had fewer goals and maybe because I think one of the big differences when you get some of our other ones like Brent and Arelli, who had a half a dozen events to compete in, you know, they, they, they medal, you're not going to get that emotion. And with Nate, I think it was just more of one of those emotional interviews. Um, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, on the verge of tears and then ripping off his shirt and woo or something like that. But uh, the Canadians, I guess, are a little bit more subdued than Australians. Um, No, it was Nate Wright that I interviewed. Uh, Really? Good to see that I remember who I interview, apparently. (laughs) Um, Was he a good guy? Do you not remember? It's not me. What a gold medal. Wait a second. (laughs) Wait. The curse ended and Ben didn't even know it. I just goes to show how much I paid attention. Um, so this was this was the article that I wrote for when I was working for the Capitol in Victoria, uh, and I, I talked about how I interviewed um, Georgia Simmeling and um, that other guy. Um, and it was Nate. God, look at me go! Knowing so, the I've curse now is just you. On, we're narrowing it down. It's just you on this show. Yeah, it it must be. Uh, I'm trying to where where is it here that I because I, I, I I'm reading this out. I I know my own work clearly. Um, just <laughs> I clearly know who I chat to and everything along those lines, basically. So, um, uh, here we go. Victoria based runner Nathan Reich scored a win at the blah 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 disappointment. Yeah, boring. Uh, and he said, I think more than able-bodied athletes, Paralympic athletes are good at adapting to the circumstances that are thrown their way. I've just come with the mentality that there's going to be a Paralympics at some point until I'm told otherwise, and I'm just going to prepare the best I can. So, um, th- see, there you go. Look at that. You're welcome. Wow. Gold. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I'm so From glad Ben Waterworth. I, You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that I can pay attention to these things. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm very proud of my uh, written work, apparently, outside of uh, all that kind of uh, other crap that people are listening to right now. Stop listening to this. Go read my written stuff. Apparently, it brings <laughs> on more success. For fencing, we actually finished our last team competition, which qualified us right before the pandemic. So the individual qualification wasn't quite finished. That didn't happen until after the pandemic, but before our team was qualified. So we did know that Canada would be sending four people to the Olympics, which was kind of nice throughout the pandemic because we always had that like goal, like the light at the end of the tunnel, like we'll get to go, we'll get to go. Um, So that was really nice. And then after, I think it was... March last year, we had our final competition for the qualification season. And then it was like official after that. So we always knew that we were going to get to go, but it was always like, uh, well, we still aren't officially qualified, but we're going to act like we are. Uh, so like the, the weight was interesting uh, for us. We had a lot of team problems in the last season before the Olympics. So the 2019 or 2018-19 season, we were having the worst luck on the planet. So the first competition, one of my teammates, Eleanor Harvey, gets hit in the arm and breaks her wrist. So we're already down a man. The next competition, we head to Paris, and I come down with COVID (laughs) and get extremely sick. I it was right at the very beginning before it had like really spread that bad, and I was pretty much in bed for the full week before we were supposed to compete. And then we had a world cup there. And because Eleanor was already gone with her broken wrist, we didn't have an alternate. And so I still had to fence. So fever and all, I, I put on wow. my gear and, and competed. It was hard. It was so hard. And so next competition, my other teammate, Kelly ends up getting food poisoning. 
we still don't have an alternate, so she has to fence. Um, and then finally we get to the last qualification competition of the year and we're like, okay, the team is back together. Eleanor's healthy. Everyone's feeling good. We just got to finish this competition. We'll be qualified for the Olympics. It'll be good to go. And Jessica ends up rolling her ankle in the individual event. We're down to three. Uh, uh, the night before, Eleanor gets food poisoning again. And <laughs> what is she eating? I don't know. She gets food poisoning. Stop She's eating things, all- Eleanor. You're getting sick all the time. There's something going yeah, on she there. Gets, <laughs> she gets sick, uh, was up all night throwing up. Um, Kelly was fine. Go, Kelly. And so Eleanor's like, okay, I'm going to have to fence. Jessica can't walk. And we're fencing the German team. I'm going backwards, roll my ankle. Oh. So we're like, okay, so, somebody's <laughs> telling us to stop. Like, yeah. something. Somebody, there's, there's something going on in the universe there at that point <laughs> yeah exactly like something is telling us that we need to calm down so we had to withdraw from the event actually which was the first time we've ever had to do that wow uh so we, we withdrew we still ended up qualifying because of the way our ranking system works and then we're like we haven't fenced a team event at all before the olympics like we've had the worst luck we had a coach in our program that was extremely toxic and just making a horrible environment so things weren't looking good and kind of the the view of it I had is I just need to get to the Olympics so I can quit fencing after that because this is just so bad um and then COVID happened and we all kind of had to like take a step back and like reevaluate things and we had like uh, Alex and Kelly decided to move to Calgary and Alex became my coach and he just gave me like a completely new look on fencing and changed my view and it wasn't I need to quit this sport anymore but more like I need to like find a love for it again and so we got rid of that toxic coach. He got fired. Uh, we spent more time together as a team working together within Canada instead of like spreading out and going to different places in the world like we had been before. Um, and we came together a lot better. And so I kind of think that that extra year was almost our saving grace, because if we would have had to go to the Olympics, I would have been we probably would have got eighth and I probably would have quit by now. So, wow. so as horrible as COVID is, it did give us like a little bit of a second life for our team. But we went in there a couple of times, you know, but so we were, we were pretty much in a bubble. And so that was a completely different experience. At first we were disappointed we weren't in the village, but by the end of it, I think we were grateful that we had our own little bubble. It just really kept us focused. And then once we went in the village, we just experienced everything we possibly could because we'd finished and we finished with the gold. So we were just dragged around by the media um every like every event we were invited to we we went to watch all any Aussie that was still playing or competing we went and tried to see so many different sports we dragged a whole lot of friends of ours into the basketball women's final Australia against the US and uh, we turned up at the door with no tickets we just kind of showed our gold medal and they let us all in <laughs> the gold medal was like it got us free taxi rides. It got us free drinks. We got into oh, the you're, club. Oh, you're answering yeah. a question. I always love to ask people whether or not you try and get free stuff with your, with your medals. And you, you pr- I think you might be our first to say that you actually did. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we did through the Olympics. Um, I'm not the type of person that goes and, and waves it around afterwards and goes, <laughs> hey, I want a gold medal. Um but uh, look, funny thing, right now, all the athletes um, in, not all of them, but a lot of the athletes in uh, quarantine 
are posting on social media all this free stuff they're getting sent. And I think like Maria Fay, our Tacho del Salar, one of our athletes, our, our silver medalists, so our yeah. beach volleyball girls, we haven't said that yet, they won silver in Tokyo. Um, they, uh, yeah, they're posting every day. Oh, I just got this. And I go, oh, thank you very much. And naming all the brands. And she needs another two suitcases to take home all the stuff that she's got. Lucky, lucky for some. <laughs> Generally, the closing ceremony is a lot more of a, a party atmosphere. Was it just up to the athletes to kind of create the the party going on there? Because it, it just seemed like a very <laughs> odd experience, that closing ceremony. Um, yeah, it was definitely different to Rio, whereas Rio was quite literally just like a massive party. It was loud. It was just like a massive, like, Brazilian party, basically. Like, like in Rio, it was such a party that once they'd done all of the official stuff, they had all the floats and all the costumes and nice. stuff. They let all the athletes in and we were climbing on top of the floats and they were giving <laughs> their costumes to us. And then going back into the village, you have to clear security. It's kind of like airport security. And there was athletes like dressed as trees <laughs> going through the conveyor belt. Like that's how different it was. But uh, Jordan can continue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I think given the circumstances, the um, closing ceremony in Tokyo was sort of, what you'd expect, but um, yeah, it definitely didn't have the same feel to it as the Rio closing ceremony. But um, yeah, it was you know it was good. It was good. <laughs> I think what's what was different about Tokyo. I mean, yeah, obviously there wasn't the crowd. There wasn't. I mean, Rio is obviously a bit more of a party city than Tokyo. Maybe you know when you're thinking about exactly what Brazilians do and stuff versus the Japanese. But um, what made Tokyo different and what made I guess that closing ceremony special is that you um, actually listened to the speeches and you actually took in things because you know it's a pretty big milestone I guess to make it all the way to Tokyo and to um, you know be there in like such a crazy world and um, for instance when they hand over the flag from Tokyo or from Japan to France and then they Took, they went live to France and it was it was really eerie because we were in this ginormous stadium with just athletes and I guess a few delegates and it's quiet and then they've shot to the screen and you guys would have seen it on your TV and they were in Paris and there were some athletes that had already flown from Tokyo to Paris there with their medals, um, some French athletes and there was so much crowd and there were just like absolute party scenes and it was just like you couldn't get two more opposite um <laughs> views I guess but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty special to be in that stadium just because you knew what it meant um yeah and I guess that was Tokyo in itself like in Rio when you finished racing you went looking for parties and you went looking for good times whereas in Tokyo when you finished racing you went looking for um stories and, and experiences you know we finished racing and straight away the first thing we wanted to do they had two dining halls one dining hall was normal just anything, basically, whatever you want, they'll have. Then they had another dining hall called Casual Dining, and it was um, like traditional Japanese food. And you didn't really want to dabble in that before you raced. But after you raced, you really wanted to go to that because you wanted to experience that. Um, so, yeah, closing can, ceremony was different, but, yeah. Can, you, can you confirm one thing to me, though? I heard that they didn't have McDonald's in the uh, village this time around. Is mm. that true? 
That is that true, is and true. I still don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing. I thought that would be the, the best bit about it. Free McDonald's after you finish competing, right? Like, why wouldn't you go crazy? Well, not in, in Rio, we went to get McDonald's afterwards, and the lineup was two and a half hours long. Holy so crap. No not worth it. Not Yeah, free McDonald's for two and a half hours. Yeah. Go, you can go past that one. That's crazy. <laughs> Everybody's jumped on a trampoline and everybody's got a trampoline story, but not everybody realises it's so spectacular. And that's why every four years when it comes around onto the TV at the Olympic Games, it you know makes my heart pound with pride that people actually go, oh, my God, how high are they jumping? How do they do what the divers do in one jump? We do it ten times, yeah. one after the other. Everybody was saying Simone Bowles was so fantastic. She's doing a, a pike two and a half off the... Well, we do triple back somersaults in the pike position at the end of seven other skills on a rebound floor. We do, don't just do one cartwheel. There's seven other tricks that go before these skills. They do two skills on the horse. or We do two skills on double mini. We're doing triple somersaults two times. Yeah. You know, what we actually can achieve in trampoline is so spectacular to watch. And... Lots of uh, failed trampolinists go on to other sports, i.e. diving, i.e. aerial skiing. They've all come (laughs) from a trampoline basic background. Which we've we've talked to a few aerial skiers and divers, and it's always fascinating to kind of hear that that short moment. I think we had Laura Hinkson on just before Tokyo, and she's mentioning it's like a 1.9 seconds they've got from a 10 meter platform to do those tricks. But as sort of you're explaining, like it's just it's so fascinating to watch how you guys are, are doing those constant tricks because it's also I can imagine about momentum. It's keeping that height so that on your second jump you can keep doing those flips and kind of maintaining it because otherwise if you stuff up slightly you're going to lose that momentum and maybe your triple becomes a double and then you not going to quite get the scores you're after well absolutely and I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody anybody that actually watched the olympic trampoline this time they saw many people crash because yeah. you one slightly part off you've got to think so fast it's not like oh, i'm in a race and i've got to race a bit harder to make it past the person that i can see in front of me because you're competing against the judges you're competing for scores everything has to be executed perfectly and if you cut if you're slightly off wow can you really tell the difference and let me tell you there's lots of people i remember my grandfather watching synchronized trampoline way back when and of course when you get out of synchro it becomes kind of obvious and you can really see it and he was sort of the quintessential couch judge going oh (laughs) well i don't know how they can that's not synchronized they were off (laughs) Even just every part of trampoline takes precision and the speed of what you're thinking, what has to happen and how you have to respond to do what the divers do again, 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 10 times in a row. It's so fast. What's it like in a sport where... I guess deep down, Jai, you are kind of hoping people fail. You're kind of watching people come after you going, okay, ah, oh, great, well, I've got at least a bronze. Ah, oh, great, oh, I've got at least a silver. Come on, you bastard, fail. Ah, oh, shit, silver, but I'll take it. I mean, it must be weird to kind of watch on and hope people fail. <laughs> I don't know whether it's fail, but obviously you want you if you if you're standing on the top of that dice, you want to know that you beat everybody at their best. So obviously when people do fail, it's very disappointing for them. And always you're going to take it because in the height of the competition, that's what you're there for. And if you can't perform in that competition, then that is unfortunate. But 
I'll take it. Um, but because the reason why trampoline went off that night is because I think it was a gymnastic sport. So everybody thinks, yo, 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, oh, everybody claps very politely for them. But trampoline people know how to party. Mm-hmm. So and the fact that there was 14,500 screaming Australians there, 14,000 of them had no idea what trampoline was, had no idea who I was, <laughs> but this little fella in a bright yellow leotard his name is still in the number one position with one person to go. The crowd was going absolutely mental. I remember looking up thinking, I can't believe this is happening. And the fact that it's happening around my performance, it's just sensational. I can really understand how everybody was so proud of the way trampoline uh, sold itself to the world that night. I've got to ask a question. Every Australian wants to know the answer to this. Does having a mullet help in golf? Is is that why Cam's so good? Is it the mullet, basically, that helps him out there? And do you wish you had a mullet when you were playing golf? If someone said to me that I could play as well as Cam plays, but I had to grow a mullet, I would grow a mullet hands down. No problem whatsoever. I would... It, uh, I sent Cam a message saying, "Look, even though it looks shit, it, um, it, <laughs> it, uh, if you play the way you play, I think everyone should be wearing mullets. He's an unbelievable golfer and 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 great bloke too. He's um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's is what it is. But you know that represents Australia, doesn't it? And a mullet oh, with, with the letters yeah. it or engraved in the side of your head. That's for sure." That's what Greg Norman needed when he had the yips all those times in the tour, right? If he had the mullet, he would have won all those uh, bloody majors in the US, right? I, it's the hairstyle, Greg. Come on. Yeah, that's all about the mullet, that's for sure. All about the mullet. I just love how it's come back. It just came back out of nowhere. It's not like there was a gradual progression back to the mullet. It was like man bun, boom, mullet. It just it just I happened. Think, I think his days are numbered again. It looks like it's on a bit of a downward spiral. <laughs> too many AFL footballers have got them now, so I think, yeah. Yes. On to the and next one. The- Add it with the tash and it's kind of like, what's going on there? It's a weird look. But it's always funny um, training outside on, on bike paths or whatnot and sometimes you'll pass a um, parent and their child walking uh, uh, the other direction and then you'll just hear in the background, why is that man walking funny or why is that, why is that man running funny? So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a way kind of, entertaining. Kind of, kind of also, I guess, didn't help the whole Kath and Kim phase, right? Where that kind of almost made a bit of. I mean, or did it help? Is it the other way around? Maybe did oh, that no, kind I, of add a shining light to it? I love, I love that stuff um, as well. <laughs> like pe- people who uh, grew up in the uh, early two thousands might remember uh, Malcolm in the Middle. There was also an episode oh, yeah. uh, there where um, Hal, so um, the same actor Brian Cranston that plays um, in uh, Breaking Bad. I think that's probably his uh, yeah. uh, most famous role. Uh, he, he was the, the dad in that show and I remember that got episode. really, yeah. really invested in race walking in this episode. And, um, you know, I, I love funny things like that. There was also probably a bit more niche to uh, race walkers um, and Japanese people is um, in the lead up to the 2007 World Championships in Osaka, the uh, reigning world champion and world record holder, was uh, pranked by Japanese TV. Um, they set him up that some dangerous samurai had broken out of a nearby prison and then he was doing a training session and these samurai broke into his uh, training venue and chased after him. And it was just because the Japanese wanted to see if he was in life-threatening danger, whether he'd run or walk. <laughs> and did he? He, he, he did ran, he but, he, oh. ran, but um, he actually slowed down initially when he started running and then accelerated. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, that's something I need to see. Because, I mean, it kind of like it's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people will probably think about it with Kath and Kim, Malcolm Middle, kind of it's almost, I want to say mocked, but it, it, at the same time, it's, I guess, if it's done in a, a you know, good spirits, it's kind of something that it's it's not done in an offensive way. It's bringing some sort of attention to the sport at least. Yeah, yeah, and I think with those um, TV shows, yeah, it hasn't hasn't been mocked. It's, uh, it's been uh, yeah, quite quite a funny way to in- engage with people and introduce them to a bit of a, a weird sport. And uh, you know, I think if you're a race walker and you can't laugh at yourself, um, <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to have have a bit of a tough time. So uh, I, I, I like to laugh at those things. Uh, it's usually pretty fun. That's why a lot of people watch, um, you know, team sports and fighting and all that sort of stuff because there's always that you versus me com- competitive rivalry kind of stuff. Um, and I think that athletics needs more of that. Um, it's all everyone's so friendly. Oh my god, amazing work, great throw. But like, mate, if I was sitting in, if I was sitting in first and someone came and beat me in the last round and I had to respond to that, there is no way you think I'm going to say great throw, well done. Yeah. Maybe after the comp, I'll say congrats, like, like you know, very well done and I'll, I'm happy to sit and have a beer with them or whatever. But in that comp and in that moment, you should be absolute caged animal. Like you've literally taken so much away from me. But when I see people being that overly um, friendly in a competitive environment really irritates me because I'm like – Boys, we're all against each other here at this point in time. We can have beers after and we can have great chats. But right now, I do not like you. You do not yeah. like me. Let's <laughs> compete and make this like, let's make this a battle kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I like trying to bring that. And I, I think I did that in Tokyo because, you know, yeah, I was like, like say Vice hiding it, right? Like, you know, obviously he got me by five centimeters, but just like fun stuff. Like he was he was walking around um, with this massive ice back, uh, like esky. I don't know what was in it. It was completely pointless. And I was like, I was just like, I was like, mate, you going for a picnic or something? And he like just literal, like so literal um, uh, European. He, he he goes, oh. Yeah, yes, I I have a couple of sausages and beer. And I was like, and then I was just like, all right, mate. And then he didn't know how to like react to that. And, um, just stuff like that. Like I thought that I, I just, wow. it's just harmless fun, right? Like you're not, you know, you're not, I'm not saying, you know, F you or like you're an idiot or like you're terrible or this sport or like something about their mum. Like I'm not throwing that. It's just the subtle stuff. Like I remember, I'm um, sorry to continue on, but. Um, no, I'm loving this. Keep going. This yeah. is like all day in, listening um, to this. <laughs> in Doha 2019, I remember um, one of the boys was talking to me. And he's a very overly friendly uh, athlete anyway. And I was getting annoyed. I was just like, mate, shut up. Stop talking to me. I'm like, I'm getting ready for this comp. We're already in the past the first round. And it was, you know, it was, it was literally like we were having a beer, just sitting back and chatting. And I was just like, mate, stop talking. And he kept chatting and I was like, you know, not really paying attention. I was thinking, oh, what can I say? And obviously in Doha, the hottest place on earth and, you know, never rains. And I go, oh, mate, do you see the forecast? It's supposed to rain in about five minutes. And he goes, what? And he's looking up in the sky. And he's like, in Doha? I said, yeah, man. Like, it's like the one time out of the year it rains, but it's about to like pour down like 50 mils. So like get ready to throw because it might get wet. 
mate, and I just <laughs> stood up and walked off and old mate didn't know what was going on. He was like really? looking around in the sky and like <laughs> I think he was like trying to dry his shoes ready just in case because the comp's <laughs> going to get wet. Just like, it was just like, mate, come on, stop talking to me. I will wow. like say stupid stuff to you like that. But it's, yeah, it's it's very soft if uh, for a lot of other people look, listening to this, but it's enough to make people a bit unsettled. <laughs> work then i mean alana as a captain are you sort of the final say like no we are not doing smooth criminal we are doing taylor swift (laughs) this like i mean but like how how does that sort of come up and is it more about this suits our routine more or is it just like hell i want beyonce at the olympics you know like it kind of comes down (laughs) um i don't always have the final say i think our coach has a final say i definitely express my opinion like there were definitely some pieces of music that were brought forward that I wasn't particularly keen on. Oh, so go I, on. I, elaborate. Elaborate. What pieces? Bitter, bitter Ricky Lee. <laughs> bitter Ricky Lee. Huh? Wow. Ricky Lee at the Olympics. <laughs> Ricky that- Lee, just not for gymnastics. Oh, no, come on. There's got to be video footage of this. Ricky Lee's listening to this getting excited. nearly an Olympian, basically. He <laughs> <laughs> had Black Betty. Oh, oh yeah. Black Betty was one of them. Yeah. Black Betty was definitely one of them, um, but the coach wasn't the biggest fan of that. It was a bit too, like, rocky, oh. which is fair enough. Probably so what, worked was, out for the best. what was the piece then that you did go for the Olympics? Our ball music was a, a really fun piece. It was from Pitch Perfect. It's called, is it Tribe? Tribe on Top? Yeah, it's kind tribe. of like, yeah, it's kind of like a women empowerment type of type of song, which is cool. And our mixed routine was a bit more, it was an instrumental piece, so no no lyrics. And it was kind of, it's kind of like epic music. Is that right. how you describe it? More dramatic, yeah. Kind of like a trailer epic music that you'll have yeah. sort of on, on, on YouTube. And, I mean, how sick of the songs do you get, though? Because I can imagine that in the space of, a you know, training, you guys are training 30-odd hours a week. I'm sure you hear those songs a lot. Do you get to a point where you're like, I'm never watching Pitch Perfect again after this? <laughs> Um, for some reason, I've never got sick of the music. The only time I've got sick of the music, because um, fun little thing, I got a concussion in um, at the end of 2019, and a part of my rehab program was to sit on a bike for 40 minutes, pedal my feet, listen to the gymnastics music in my ears, and visualize. And wow. there's only so much of that 40 minutes you can be visualizing your music. So that's only <laughs> that's the only time that I really could not listen to it anymore. But in terms of training and visualising at home, not on the bike for 40 minutes, I've never got sick of the music. I think we connect strong with it. And because we're doing so many tricky things in that routine and it's changing each day, like the routine evolves every single day you're at training, you don't get sick of it. Now, a weird thing about sort of you being on the show today is that our paths have crossed in the past and it was funny when I reached out to you for this interview you you mentioned how our paths had crossed that you you interviewed me 
a decade ago, I want to say, uh, whenever it was about the Hobart Olympic bid, uh, which, as I just said to you off air, I, I wouldn't think you would have remembered me about that. So um, I feel this is a, a long time coming. Do, do you just can I just ask a quick question? What did you think of the Hobart Olympic bid, Robert? I, I want to kind of hear from an expert what your thoughts were on this little uh, little joke that went too far. <laughs> Well, you know, we we cover every bid from the grassroots. We don't want to miss anything. I mean, that's the point of why we exist, because everybody knows who wins the bid, you know, seven years later or however much later it is when, when the games are actually hosted. But nobody knows what happened in the background. So we cover everything. So as soon as we hear any kind of hint of anything, you know, we'll grab onto it. And we'll cover it. So we heard about Hobart and, you know, it's fair game. Um, what did I think about it? Well, you know, maybe a lot early for its time. I mean, I'm sure there's a, maybe one day it'll get there, but uh, certainly not ready for prime time yet. <laughs> yeah, that that's a very solid uh, way of explaining. But I like your positivity. Maybe maybe one day. I, I, I keep saying that it's just recycling around Australian cities. So now that Brisbane's got its chance, then we'll go to Perth, then Adelaide, then it has to come to Hobart, kind of just based on the size of the cities in the country. So uh, <laughs> one day we'll, we'll get there eventually let's talk about mascots uh our favorite part uh now famously our last episode when we did this boorang surang yep that happened um we're going to talk about the great as- mascots of bing dwen dwen and shui ron ron now yeah if you're not you on board the with the names <laughs> For Bing Dwen Dwen and Shuey Ron Ron. Isn't that, isn't that song, the do Ron Ron Ron, the do Ron Ron, like the Shuey Ron Ron, the Shuey Ron. Like that's, that's great. So um, Bing Dwen Dwen is a panda. Of course he is. <laughs> what else would it be? Um, with a suit of ice, heart of gold, and a love of all things winter sports. The panda is ready to share the true spirit of the Olympics with the whole world. Yeah, of course, of course he is. Uh, it, it, I don't know if it's a he, it's probably an, an anamorphic, uh, they, there we go. Ben. Anthrop- Get it right. Anthropomorphic. Thank you, that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's your kryptonite, that word. <laughs> Boorang. Um, Shui Ron Ron is an anthropomorphic, <laughs> that word, um, a Chinese lantern. Here we go. Get the kids involved. Lanterns represent harvest, celebration, warmth and light. The wishful shape at the top symbolises auspicious happiness. The continuous pattern of the dove of peace and the temple of heaven symbolise the peaceful friendship and highlights the characteristics of the place where the events are held. The decorative pattern incorporates a traditional Chinese paper cut art. The snow on the face represents the meaning of a fall of seasonal snow. I'm sorry, the marketing department thinks way too hard. It's a fucking lantern. <laughs> like, seriously, it, 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 it looks cool. It's called Shui Ron Ron. The kids will buy it. Like, I mean, no kid's going to be going, Mummy, 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 does this have a fall of seasonal snow giving promise of a fruitful year? <laughs> yes, it does, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, I love Shui Ron Ron. Like, <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> um, Jared, what, what's your take on Bing Dwen Dwen and Shui Ron Ron? I'm divided. I think Shui Ron Ron is a legend. Um, but Bing Dwen Dwen looks dead inside. Um, I, I really hate, I think more than anything, I hate the ice suit. Oh, to me, really? it looks like a diving suit or like a space outfit or a hazmat suit. But like, where's the face covering? <laughs> yeah, like, where's the no visor? He's going to mask. It's just, it's not great. <laughs> Wow. Uh, but I mean, come on, you, you, Shui Ron Ron though, like a, a literal lantern, like this is outside, like 
So many of these mascots recently have all blended. It's not the opening ceremonies. It's all the same, right? They're kind of crap. But, like, this is something different. Like, I want a Shuey Ron Ron figure. I want a Shuey Ron Ron lantern. Yeah, 100%. Colin, what's what's your take on Bing Dwen Dwen? Can we just keep saying Bing Dwen Dwen and Shuey Ron Ron? Like, seriously. I I like both Dwen Dwen and Ron Ron. Um, (laughs) I... I will say they kind of clash together, though. Like, usually you, you have the mascots and you look at them like, ah, oh, I can see a connection here. This clearly was two completely different designers who had no input on the other one. And it, it, one looks like it's, I don't know, from a really friendly baby cartoon. The other one looks like it's, uh, well, Shui Ron Ron's something of a Power Ranger or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they definitely don't look like they belong together. But I actually don't mind that. And I like the ice suit. And I kind of like it for the same reasons Jared's knocking it. I was looking at it thinking it looks like a face sticking out of a diaper. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's memorable. If nothing else is memorable. I'm trying to find. So apparently they were chosen from a design competition. So there were 5,816 designs. 10 were shortlisted. So I'm trying to see if we can find the other 10, um, which I, I can't seem to find. Um, I mean, the one thing I'll say, Panda cliche come on i mean back in bay in the summer olympics we had we have five uh, and one of them was a panda so yeah we had a, a koi a giant panda an olympic flame a tibetan antelope and a swallow good for them and then when nanjing had the youth olympics what did they have then they had a rainflower stone well that sounds boring uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come to Nanjing. Have a stone, everybody. We can throw it at the the evil people who go against the communist empire of China. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I have to say that, you know, when you have... I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't see this being being Dwen Dwen hate. I like being Dwen Dwen Dwen. I can't even say it right. Being Dwen Dwen, um, <laughs> it, it, it kind of it weirdly looks like a Tic Tac, sort of like a, a, a panda stuck in a Tic Tac. Ah, I see that. You know, like... <laughs> Just pop it and there you go in the in the mouth. But <laughs> sh- we- take two take two big dwindwins and call me in the morning. <laughs> but I like I like again this. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. If this is just a, a part of the Chinese language, but like I love the fact that you've got to have Bing Dwen Dwen and Shui Ron Ron. It's not just Bing Dwen and Shui Ron. It's Bing Dwen Dwen and Shui Ron Ron. Like I mean, if it was like Sid Sid and Millie Millie and Ollie Ollie, <laughs> like you know, Boorang Boorang and Surang Surang, like you know, it gets a bit catchy, right? Um, you know, easy, easy, that kind of works. Um, but I, I'm on board. I, like, I, I'm saying this now. I, I, I think possibly that Shuey Ron Ron might be my favorite mascot since Izzy. I like Shuey Ron Ron. I was going to ask if Shuey Ron Ron's our favorite of the two, because I think all of us are leaning that way. Yeah. Jared, yeah, a little you, pumpkin head. Li- <laughs> <laughs> He's just cute. Like a little red thing with like a, you know, what's that um, on Mario, those, uh, the Goomba things that you used to have to kill, right? Oh, yeah. Mario fans on this show. Yep, cool. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm on board. I'm on board with Bing Dwen Dwen and Shui Ron Ron. I hope that, have we got the Paris ones yet? Is it like, I don't know, like a, a little pair of like dust marks from running away? Or is it like a, a frog? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, we're going to have the. Sorry, hello to all our like French to... listeners. Let's look up and see what our. Uh, a little snail, obviously. <laughs> we like France again. I'm meant to be bagging out Britain. Oh. 
I'll tell you something funny, and it's funny because you brought up the Stephen Bradbury. So often um, what goes on behind the scenes at an Olympics or a Winter Olympics or a Paralympics is there's like this um, unspoken of, well, it's not unspoken as we speak about it a lot, but the tally of the commentators who get to call these magic moments that, you know, are going to be part of folklore. Um, so for Baz, he has called actually so many of those bursts at each game. So he's, you know, he's just hilariously almost unbearable because he just will remind you of it a thousand times. And <laughs> he was asked, I think it was in Rio, he was asked if he wanted to do Chloe Esposito's thing. Oh. And he, he was racing out the door and he said no. And so they kind of just came out now because, you know, that just the way it eventuates in a way that that sport works and you how the scoring and the judging and everything happens with it and it all all of a sudden goes from not understanding any of the numbers to oh my god she's in contention to to, to win the laser it. race whatever it's called at the end right like yeah. that's amazing like, yeah it was even before that it's like she's in contention to win a medal and then by the laser it was a gold medal yeah and so they were madly scrambling because we only had international commentators so they just come out into the main room and a couple of us who knew what was going on have just we're going to hightail them out of there we're like <laughs> No way. I do not understand this sport enough to work out. And I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to do it. And so all these people and Scott um, McGrory was sitting there and they just came up and they're like, hey, Scott, do you mind, do you mind doing us a favour? I just need a little bit of help in the room. Still need to do some checks with it. It's okay. If you, and he's like, yeah, I'll go in. And they're like, oh, do you mind just calling a little bit of this event? And he's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden he sat down and he's realised what's happening and that she's in metal contention. And, and he's like, but, I, but I've got, and they're just like, don't worry, we're going to get someone. And they've like pulled a researcher in who's just like madly scrambling, scrambling notes and then he's just got into it. And, right? So he then goes on to call that amazing gold medal and he did such a brilliant, brilliant job. And, and that was, actually, that's someone else who was brilliant in the coverage. Like Scott is always amazing. But to hear Anna Mears, I felt like we saw and heard such 100%. a different side to oh, Anna Mears as what we've known of her as a con- competitor and as yeah. an athlete. To hear her that there was 15 minutes, I think, on the last day of the cycling where Tokyo was just really behind the schedule. And she just opened up about how she'd never thought about cycling and what she did and how it impacted the coaches and the other team members and the people. And it was just like we were we were literally about to go out and move around and, just, and then we were all just like, stop, just listen to this. This is unheard of. Like, so you had that, like those magic moments. But yeah, so. Luke and I, just so you know, we did win Tokyo because we had more gold medals than everyone else because our shift, yeah, we, we used to come. Perfect. But, you know, we, most of those can also be attributed to Basil and Thorpey and Lisa. Well, but, congratulations, uh, I'll say that. Thank and, you, thank you. We and, want and to, just also, to correct you, Joe, can I just quickly, I really want to pull you up on something. Yeah. It's Queen Chloe. Just, just to, you know, just to point that out. She deserves that. She deserves that. That was, well, that was an, an amazing, amazing, you know, amazing story. got the Olympic medal now, the Commonwealth Games silver and all the atmosphere that was around the Gold Coast in 2018. I mean, if you can take anything from it, is that what you're going to take out of it to try and grow the sport and do whatever you can really on a similar level to when, say, Natalie Cook and Kerry Pothouse won in Sydney, they were able to use that and no doubt influence people like yourself to where you are now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we're still both young, so we're aiming for that Brisbane 30. 2032 Olympics for sure. I, like I mean, that. It would be I want to hear that. <laughs> it would be a dream too. I've always actually, since um, the option of Brisbane hosting the Olympics came out, I've always said that would be my fifth Olympics and I would love to finish it at home, which would just be like the icing on the cake. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's epic that we can have another Olympics at home and inspire, you know, the next generation to get involved, have a go, play sport, um, because, yeah, it's it's just a massive, um, like, it's just so good to be a part of, a, you know, sport. I, I don't even, I, I've learnt in the last few weeks not to ask any of the returning Olympians, oh, you're thinking of Paris because it comes to the fact of, no, just let me rest, let me rest. Whereas now I, I love this one, but oh, I'm thinking of Brisbane, like, you know, bugger Paris. Yeah. Like, you know, that's that's only my third games. I've still got, you know, more to go for Brisbane. So bugger that, Murray. If you can, 2036, 2040, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, beach volleyball right now, I mean, the players are going till mid 40s. So, I mean, there's no reason why. And there's, you know, as long as I'm still enjoying it and I'm still fit, healthy, and strong to keep playing. Um, I'll keep going. <laughs> Again, the bar is high in the Australian Olympic team. Andrew Hoy is winning medals at 62. So I'm just saying that it's, it's capable. I'm 34 exactly. and I've never been to an Olympics. I'm, I've got my hopes held high. I've got another 28 years never to make an never. Olympic Games. Exactly. Never say Ex- never. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> definitely say that track cycling team pursuit is more alike to soccer or a team sort of ball sport as opposed to like a relay so in a relay we've got like you go you do your effort and then you pass it on or you hit the wall and the next person goes in and does it and your effects your sorry result doesn't actually affect the next person except for in the overall time Whereas in track cycling, what you're doing on the front is actually directly impacting what the person behind you is going to be able to do when they hit the front and how many laps you do on the front and the decisions you make out there and the trust that your team has in you is actually going to directly affect the outcome. So I think team bonding is actually a really important part of it. And um, the group that we have is, a, is actually got a really good dynamic. Um, we had a couple of more experienced riders and then we had a couple of younger riders. And I think one of the main aspects is having that trust in every single person in the team that they're going to go do their job and do it to the best of their ability. And, um, and you know, you do have to know the people on your team inside out because you've got to know what their tells are when they're like, might be struggling or slowing pace because you got to yell them to get out of there. You got to know what they do when they're feeling good or if they're feeling good, because then potentially they can go longer and do further and also different roles, different wheels, are like have different skills about them and different niches that they fill. So you've got to work with the team and get all the personalities together and figure out which person is suited for which wheel and kind of optimize that. It is definitely a, an optimization task and the, you know, it's not like soccer or rugby or something where you kind of have your set position. You know, you can be flexible and move positions around and change tactics, but you need to understand everyone's strengths and everyone's weaknesses. And you have to be really open about that in the team. Like we know each other back to front and we know every weakness of every single person. I remember we actually had a meeting one time and we all sat down and we all just laid it down on the table and it was this was a, a, a quite a while ago, but this is when I first made the team. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this what this is like? And we, everyone was like, it wasn't just like your physical weaknesses. It was like your personal weaknesses, like how you present wow. yourself, your personality. Like it was intense, but that's the level we have to get to. What, 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 what are they saying? Like you don't oh, wear deodorant just... enough or like you, <laughs> you snore too loud. Like what are they saying to you? <laughs> Fortunately, it wasn't it wasn't that petty, but oh, it was just like um, 
like everyone just has their little things. Like I think at my, at my point I was trying to strike the difference between, um, sorry, strike a balance between being like engaged and active within the team and then talking too much and being too into it and being too intimidating. So my feedback was like, you need to like chill out sometimes <laughs> like, <Wow>. like <laughs> stuff like that. But, but you know, it's just about like, and, and you can't take anything personally. And it was actually a really hard thing when I first made the team because we will do an effort on the track and then we'll come in and we'll talk about it. And that's with every single effort that you're under the microscope constantly and you're getting feedback. We call it feedback, but you're just getting feedback just from like every angle you're getting it from the coach and then you're getting it from four other girls on the team and then you're getting it from the sports scientists and then everything else. And um, it is constant. And it's like, I had to ask the psychologist, like what to take in and what to leave out because you can only absorb so much feedback. Um, and sometimes it, it gets to the point where it's actually not constructive anymore. It's just like, you, you can't take it all on. Um, and it, it is difficult because you have to have a personality that does fit within, within the team. And it's, it's really hard to find that personality and to make yours fit within the team um, because it is something that you have to learn. You mentioned before about how shooting used to be separate. It wasn't part of the run. Now, I believe it was Rio the first Olympics to have it combined? London. It London was London. Was the first, yeah. It combined. And back then it was only three rounds of shooting and you do a kilometre run in between each shoot. So it's 3,000 metres run and total of, yeah, fif- yeah, 15 shots if you got all of them. And they changed that. So in Rio we did four lots of shooting and it was 800 metres between each shoot. So it was 3,200 metres. And was that a benefit for you or did you prefer it sort of more separate? I mean, kind of how did that work with your abilities? Um, No, I, I did like the shooting. Like when there's change, everyone always gets upset about it. And I was not because I thought it's not even like real shooting anymore because we changed to laser pistol as well. Um, but it, it did help me because uh, my shooting was cool. I don't want to tip my own horny, but my shooting was good. But also putting the running and shooting together, I think it did help me. And then adding the extra 200 metres and extra five shots as well in Rio did help me because I knew my shooting was strong and I liked the longer distance running. Even though it was only 200 metres, I think it can sometimes make or break people. So I think it definitely did help me out. When you say laser bullets, I'm just picturing like a laser beam. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's a, it's a laser beam that just comes out and basically hits the target. So it's an lo- electronic target and you've got like five lights on top. So when you get a successful shot, the light goes green. Wow. If it's a fail, it's red. Yeah, so you've got to get the five green lights and you can go and run. So I'm just thinking now that all these days playing laser tag can actually lead to an Olympics now. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah. essentially an Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And then after, but after I um, had an event where we all went and played laser tag as one of the activities, but I was terrible. <laughs> I thought I'd be really good, but it was so much fun. It's so much fun. I we, we did some commentary during Tokyo of some different events and, you know, we tried to spice it up. So for sailing, Chloe, we added the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. It was a bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, wrestling, <laughs> we added some walk-on music. I'm thinking now modern pentathlon, we need to add Star Wars, you know, pew, pew, pew sounds every time you're shooting. Like, <laughs> it literally is fun. like that. And also with the fencing too, although it's not a laser, Lightsabers. like sword. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, goodness. Uh, you could have know, the, it is, it is a bit the riding, that. like the sort of, you know, some of the spaceship sounds going on there. I know, that'd um, be awesome. 
going into that final race, I've, I've heard you talk a lot about how, you know, you felt you can make that up because 45 seconds sounds like a lot, but as you've said in many interviews before, you've made up time in that before. I mean, just how, how were you like, can you think back to that now and just think, okay, I'm getting a gold medal today or was it, I'm getting a medal. Like what was the actual point where you were thinking, this is what I'm going to go and how focused, like had you ever been that focused before going into the final round at any event you've been in? Yeah, no, definitely. But um, going into it, yeah, I was not thinking about medals or anything. I didn't want to. I'd, Of course, it's always in the back of your mind, but I just didn't want to think about that. And like I said, my dad and I, we never spoke about medals before. And he just said to me before, you've done this in training before, you can do it again in competition. And I knew I was going to move up a few places. I just didn't know how many um, because I knew that was my strongest event and I could move up. But it wasn't, yeah, until the last run shoot, I don't know, the last shooting series where I went in third. Um, and then I just really had to focus on myself. I knew there was two girls in front of me, but I literally tried not to look at them. Sometimes I'd even going into the shooting range, I'd put my head down and then just go to my bay, grab the gun, shoot. Although the girls are next to me and just one really important thing to not look at their target because the lights are up there. So you can see them flashing red or green. So I had to, yeah, not look at them. Um, it's like I had blinkers on though. And I just, I was saying to myself, of course the rhythm and everything, but I was just saying to myself, okay, I've got another run. And then I was just pretending like I've got another shoot after this isn't the last one. So that's what I said to myself, another shoot after this, it's fine. And then I, once I got the fifth shot, I put down the gun and ran and that's when I'd realized I was in first place. Um, so that's when it hit me. And it wasn't until maybe about after running, I think maybe about 200 meters, but I heard the commentator calling the shots of the other girls and saying they were missing. And when they'd finally left the range, I looked back. No, I shouldn't have looked back. It's uh, one rule not, <laughs> not to look back. But I looked back and um, I knew they weren't going to catch. It. And that's when I had realized that I had got the goal. So it was a very a big pinch me moment. Which it's one of my favorite moments of watching that was that when you put down the pistol, you've got this look on your face. It's almost like that realization of, shit, I'm in first. And it's just kind of like the, the, the look, run. And like, that's, I think, my best memory of it. It's because I love seeing emotions that of athletes, no matter where they are, and kind of when you're seeing them in the midst of competition. And it's just, it's that literal moment of pistol down, holy crap, and then you're just <laughs> running. And it's just, I swear that look didn't leave your face until you crossed the finish line and yeah. then relief comes over you. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, incredible. And then my mum told me after the only thing she was thinking was just don't trip don't trip <laughs> and it was yeah so special because especially my um grandparents were there my grandfather had coached me a lot in the swimming event when i was in australia um my now husband is there my brother my sister my friend from america um, my mom and my dad dad was actually at the finish line i don't know how he got down there but he was at the finish <laughs> he's got line. connections right come on <laughs> he's got those connections as a former yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got him um and running down that straight and seeing my family in the grants oh it was just that's when i looked up at them and still watching that I can see, like, if I watch it back, I can see myself looking up at that and seeing them cheering because the camera's behind them. And it is, it's, it always brings tears to my eyes when I watch it. And then crossing that finish line and just knowing that, like, a whole team, like, we'd all done it and they were there to support me. It was, it was incredible. I gave dad the biggest hug. It was, like, amazing. It was just, yeah, incredible.
the thing that was amazing about it too, and I'm not sure if this is a common thing, say, in, in World Cups and then around the world, is the fact that they had everything in the one stadium. They had made the makeshift pool, the kind of the fencing section. Like, is that common or is that the first time they've ever done no, that? That was the first time they ever did it. And to, they had put on an amazing, like, it looked incredible. They put the pool in the middle, yeah, the horse riding, the running machine, the fencing. It was, it looked amazing. I think it would have been an amazing experience there. Um, and yeah, no, that, Tokyo, the Japanese, they did an incredible, incredible job. So I think that's what they're planning to do maybe from now on, just so you have like, because before that you'd go from one venue, you might have to get on a bus, travel 20 minutes to another one, another venue. So it's like you get, you buy your ticket, you get your seat and you get to watch the whole show. Yeah. Which we were saying, it's a shame there were no crowds there because like that I know. It was so, yeah, it was disappointing, but Hey, there's so, it's awesome that they were still able to be on. Well, I'm thinking come Brisbane that uh, it needs to be its own separate stadium. I want them to build the Chloe Esposito Stadium in Brisbane. <laughs> that would uh, be, oh, be actually really cool. Yeah. I'll have I to think, put in a word there. I think, yeah, you've got some sway now. Just wear the medal, uh, you know, kind of go along that way. Bring your dad, bring your brother, bring bring everyone yeah. along. You know, we're all Olympians. Come on now. I want this, the Chloe Esposito Stadium in exactly. Brisbane. Lock, lock it in. <laughs> Moments I always love watching figure skating at the Olympics is is the moment when it's over. You realise you've you've nailed it. You, you've done everything you can, and just the emotions on both you yours and Megan's faces there, and just the, the crowd is going up. Remember crowds, people? They were fantastic, weren't they? And just 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 everything through that. I mean, is that one of those moments that will just live with you? forever eric just kind of that 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 you've nailed it you've done everything you can you're in the olympic games this was your dream as a kid and and here you are right now and you've done everything you possibly can at that moment those are some of the best moments of my entire life and the, the feeling you know they they're the best part of it is just the satisfaction in knowing that you did your best in the most difficult moment and I remember uh, hitting the ending position with Megan and I feel like I'm always a little bit more internalized than Megan. Megan like shows her expression right away <laughs> and it always takes a little while for me to realize, oh wow, we just had a great skate. Um, because I knew that the triple Lutz wasn't perfect, but then you know we hit a great throw quad. Then we did the side-by-side out and the rest of the program was really strong. And so when I got to the end, I was like, oh wow, like that was a really good skate. And then it slowly started to hit me and I was like, wow, like <laughs> we, had a, we just had a great skate, you know, at the Olympics. And um, of course, then we got to the score and it was, you know, confirmed. But, um, and then combined with like the satisfaction of have, doing your best, the relief that it's over. And like, and then also that when you have a great skate, like that's, that's stuck in time forever. It's not like we need to go and do it again or repeat or, you know, we have to do two Olympic vaults where, you know, you, there's the first one that you did great and then, oh, now I have to go and do it again. Um, yeah, the, the, the satisfaction in the reef is indescribable. Which on that, how many times have you rewatched it since 2018? Is it something that if you're just having a crap day, you're like, oh, bugger, I'm going to watch my my performance from, from Pyeongchang because that's always going to spur me on today. <laughs> it really, it, I've watched a lot. And what I, what I love is knowing the outcome. And I know that, you know, aside from like the little stumble on, on the Lutz, like I go back and I watch that throw quad and, you know, that's like a little piece of history that Megan and I made there by being the first and only team that's done it. And um, 
And I sometimes I'm just like, wow, I, I can't believe that's that's me. It almost feels like it happened to somebody else. Um, yeah, it definitely it's always something that's gonna like pick up the mood if you're not feeling great. One thing I love about when you win the World Cup is the Crystal Globe is one of the greatest sports trophies in the world. Yeah, it's do, do you get that? Is that kind of like the one of those show ones where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, let's put it back in the thing, or do you get a replica of it, or kind of? No, and if you do, where do you no. keep it? <laughs> no, yeah, you definitely get to keep them. So I've got two now, and um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to travel home with, but yeah. <laughs> um, definitely worth it. <laughs> I think the one I got this year was eight kilos. Um, wow, so massive. And yeah, beautiful. So yeah, just on the sideboard at home. <laughs> just just sitting there casually. Friends walk in. Oh, oh yeah, it's just you know World Cup Crystal Globe. There it is. You know, just just the sitting there. Globe. Which yeah, people do uh, definitely admire it. Eight kilos. That that's more than you carry on. I think on most airlines. How do, how on earth do you get it back home? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been travelling a lot lately, so you become quite good at um. Just managing with your luggage, honestly. <laughs> we always have way too much stuff and you just got to find a way to make it work, I guess. Although I did, I when I came home from the winter season, I quarantined in, in Perth. So then I had to fly home from Canberra and I was actually charged excess baggage to bring my globe home, which I was a bit disappointed about. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, you think at, at some point some baggage uh, checking person might look at that and go, well, that's clearly something important. Um Jeez. Yeah, it would have been nice. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have to book an extra seat, though, for it next to you? I mean, I guess you're not going to put it under your seat or kind of put it in the overhead locker, are you? (laughs) Well, yeah, I just wrapped it up in bubble wrap and just kept it with me. And I did actually put it under the seat in front of me. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I just, I think that'd be a great conversation starter that you could just maybe put in the middle seat, have somebody next to you and just, oh, what's this? Oh, what's World Cup, you know, champion. (laughs) Here it is again. You know, just have a casual conversation maybe with the person next to you. (laughs) Yeah. Traveling through the airport in, in Montreal, when it went through the, the scanner at the security check, the woman actually asked me, is that a crystal globe? So she obviously follows skiing sports, so she was all over it. <laughs> Fantastic. It's oh it just it would be such a fun like again, given I guess the, the exposure of the sport in Australia, it's kind of it's one of those things where, yeah, I guess not many people would know what it looks like as well. So that that's why you got charged the excess baggage. You're there going like, no, this is like World Cup. Like I won it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I'm an Olympic gold medalist too. He's fifty dollar fine. You know? <laughs> Seriously. You generally get a lot more recognition like over in North America and Europe, which it's a little bit sad, I guess. <laughs> One question I want to ask you. I was reading on a website here some quick facts about yourself that uh, you've got one of your pre-competition rituals and superstitions is never washing your wristbands. Now, Tell us a little bit more about this. And do you just have some really stinky wristbands sitting around in the boxes next to those medals? <laughs> I don't keep like old, old wristbands, but I don't normally like people will wash their wristbands every like few months or whatever, just cause they get so chalky. But for me, that's like a big no, no. So my wristbands are like 
held together by all like the sweat and stuff <laughs> it isn't <laughs> until like I have to take my wrist because otherwise my wrists will just rip because they're that rank um but I do like I've gone through pairs I don't just wear one pair of wristbands but I just hate new ones so I I think I go through a new pair like every four years maybe wow I was gonna say what's the longest like is there being like a lucky pair that maybe during you know 2018 or something like that you're like I'm never getting rid of these these are helping me out big time <laughs> um I don't know I just use them until they like just cannot be used anymore <laughs> <laughs> which at the Olympics end did you have like a pair that had been around for a while and now is like I'm retiring these these are my Olympic pair I, I shall not use these again I had the intention of like the pair that I wore like okay they're they're getting bad they're not terrible but I mean, most people would use a new pair now. So I was like, all right, after the Olympics, I'll switch to the new pair. And I wore them for like the first go on bars. Um, and I was like, no, I need my other ones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel right. Don't feel right. Yeah. Actually, one other question quickly. We um we spoke to Laura Peel, uh, aerialist, recently. And whenever we get an aerial skier on the show, it's always uh, they were a former gymnast. They got recruited. They're doing aerial skiing. Now, my question to Laura was, how can we get all this success in aerial skiing, but we can't seem to translate into gymnastics? So I'm just saying right now, Emily, should should Jackie Cooper come knocking, Lydia Lassa, like, hey, like we want you for aerials. Can you just say no so that we can actually keep a gymnast yeah. in gymnastics in this country so that we can get some, no disrespect to our aerial skiers, but I just feel like yeah. they're just stealing all the talent. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just say no to aerial skiing, Emily. Yeah, no, I will be saying no. I'm, <laughs> I love skiing and I go, like I'm actually was due to go like on Sunday to the snow, um, but unfortunately lockdowns had to change that a bit. Um but I'm not the greatest at aerial awareness when it comes to like twisting so much. And so I don't think aerial skiing is quite for me. <laughs> All right. And I also, I think too, that you should get everyone in gymnastics to start going up to Brisbane to the Jeff Henke center and watching the aerial skiers and go, okay, we're recruiting them to gymnastics. Like let's, let's play the same game that they play with you and then steal some of them. So I'm just saying it's, it's you know, it's got to balance out somewhere in the sports, right? Yeah. <laughs> come in at the end of a best of haven't before but we're going to do it today uh that was a lot of fun hearing from all of those guests there emily whitehead the last one there great chat with her of course and uh so many memories you remember chloe how can we not forget chloe i mean literally at the time of this airing for the first time was a week ago that it aired so it's very much fresh on the minds there but so many great guests that we've had on between episodes 101 and through to 149 and all those tokyo highlights as well great blast from the past you're going to be kept entertained between now and episode 200 because we have so many great interviews to bring you i'll give you a taste of what we have coming up in terms of just what great interviews we have at the time of us releasing this we have pretty much recorded all of our episodes between this episode and episode 200 that's how many interviews we have had the honor of doing 
and we've got some really, really great interviews. So many sports that we've never covered on this show before. Countries of athletes that we've never spoken to before. And winter, summer, everything else in between. We've got a couple of other great episodes, which Jared and Colin will join me on as well to have a bit of a chat. But it's going to keep you entertained and very, very busy between now and Beijing because it's months away, Beijing, months away. So really get excited, and we know you are going to enjoy every single one of these interviews as much as I have enjoyed being a part of them and Jared and Colin have been a part of all the other episodes as well. So get excited. If Again, as I said at the very top of this episode, if it's the first time listening to Off the Podium and I hope you're hooked, then you're going to be hooked with so many great interviews that we've got coming your way. So stay tuned. The best way to do that, search Off the Podium, all good podcasting platforms. Hit subscribe, leave some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think. And of course, that's where you can find all the full episodes from the snippets you've heard. If there's a particular episode that you think sounds really, really good, then maybe go back and track it down. You'll be able to hear it. I will say just as a bit of a teaser, obviously we haven't gone through who each of those people were in terms of the interviews and the snippets that you did hear from our guests. The easiest way to, I guess, give you a taste of who these people are, it was all done in chronological order. So from episodes 101 right through to 149. So uh, episode 101 was Max von Haster, our Canadian fencer, and episode 149, of course, as I mentioned before, Emily Whitehead, Australian artistic gymnast. So essentially go to our social media pages, our podcast platform pages, and just look in terms of the order of the guests and you'll be able to see which one corresponds to the clip that you heard there, if that makes sense. Some there were obviously multiple clips from an episode, but you'll be able to navigate your way through there. And if you get stuck, if all of a sudden you go, Ben, who was this great clip that I heard at this point? Flick us a message and if you get lost, we are happy to direct you to the snippets of that guest. Social media, if you want to do that, of course, search Off The Podium, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's where you can find us. Send us a message anyway. Let us know what you think of the show. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, I often say in these, let us know any uh, thoughts on potential guests or potential styles of episode or anything along those lines that perhaps you would like us to get involved in. To each one of the guests that you heard a snippet on, I will also say, take this opportunity right now to say thank you for their time of coming on the show and also best of luck for everything moving forward. And to you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. We love having you on board. 150 episodes down, plenty more to come. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium. Thanks for tuning in and we will speak to you next time. Good night. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese up.